Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, November 20th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say, yeah. Mr. Bob Ryer, Yo. and Stephanie Cook. Hello. <laughs> so it is uh, November, 20th, uh, November 20th, yes, when you're listening to this. It's November 19th, though, when we're recording this, which is the 150th anniversary of the Gettysburg Address. I saw that in the paper. How yeah. about that? Yeah, it's true. The Ken Canada. Burns did, can't. <laughs> Shh, the number one country's talking right now. Right. <laughs> what? Don't get me started. So, how's how's your mayor doing, Stephanie? Yeah. Oh, you know, he's high. Yeah. He's just saying, listen, I don't need to eat some random girl's pussy. I got plenty of that at home. <laughs> Ew, that quote, like, I literally had just finished eating my sandwich when I, like, saw that quote and, like, Gagging. It was just like, Whoa. oh, that's gross. He is gross. His wife is with him. Oh, God. So gross. For people who don't know what we're talking about. He's yeah. learning so well from all of your <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that he... Uh, He's a special breed. His forthrightness is something to be admired. <laughs> he did steamroll somebody the other day. Yeah, this little tiny woman yeah. Yeah. ran her over. I, I love that his response to when the the cocaine stuff. He's like, "Listen, I messed up." The, the, it was the, in one of my drunken stupors. What yeah, do you want? Like that's an and excuse. Like he was on, they did an SNL sketch about sketch about him too. Mm. Oh yeah, did you see it? No, it I didn't so see it. So funny. <laughs> oh, Bobby Moynihan plays uh, Rob cool. Ford, and he's just like, I think like all my bad press is just due to like you know really crappy press photos. <laughs> do you think we like use our cameras and one here? <laughs> and he just like holds press conference after press conference to apologize, but it's like half an hour later he then held another press conference to apologize for the previous <laughs> then, press conference. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it's interesting political situation that's going on up there. Um, he's delightful, sort of a, even delightful. He's a cross great. between Marion Barry and Anthony Weiner. Yeah, and which is not something you want. Uh, John Stewart was even talking about it the other day too, and he's like somewhere in his like basement. Anthony Weiner's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you guys haven't, if you know what I'm talking about, uh, Mayor of Toronto Rob Ford is a pretty special individual. Mm-hmm. Just Google him and have a wonderful time. With, Enjoy the memes. Yeah, with that, yeah. with what comes out of that situation. Um, he used to be my friend's neighbor. Oh, really? They like, I think one time they toilet papered his house. He was wearing, I guess it was a hockey jersey that said Mayor Rob Ford. <laughs> he was wearing an Argos jersey. So, and like the football team. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And the Argos actually released a statement asking him to like not wear jerseys. <laughs> And like he got uninvited to the Santa Claus parade, and 
like oh other boy. stuff too. Like he's just nobody um, likes you, Rob Ford. Go Rob away. Ford. Well, he's been disinvited to, to be mayor. And yeah. Stay there. Gonna end up living in a van down by the river. Yeah. You see that Chris Farley's brother actually tweeted that he wished his brother was alive. Oh, I wish he was too. Because he would too. play, you know, yeah. it could, it could be, it'd be amazing him see him playing Rob Ford. Oh my God, that's so good. Yeah. In like uh, the worst way, but like. Yeah. Smoking doobies. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Baseball. How did he get reelected, Toronto? What is wrong with you? I read in the Times on Sunday exactly how he did. It's because your city expanded when they took all the suburbs in mm-hmm. to the voting. That's his. Suburbs, that's his place. The people in the suburbs hmm. voted for him because yep. of his stance on like um, taxes for commuters and stuff, and hmm. blah blah blah. I gotcha. don't know. I didn't vote for him, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he hated. He Bomb hates it. He hates all the stuff that you love about Toronto, all the art things and bikes and the re- he hated all that. Hated, hated, hated. Puppies? Yeah, he hates like, puppies. Don't sell him crack cocaine. <laughs> he can't it's snort a dog. Because no. at the end of it, it's well, not might. a big pile of drugs. <laughs> oh, man. It's special. Or, it doesn't even seem real. Like, it seems like an actor, you know? Oh, what did, oh, Patrick Stewart was talking about him on The Daily Show, too, um, with John Stewart. And he's like... You know, these crazy politicians that keep on popping up, you know, we're think we think that they're horrible people and they're insane, but maybe we're looking at them the wrong way. You know, we're thinking they're these wildly evil politicians. But what what if they're actually just comedians that have been given a really bad script? <laughs> and like John Stewart's like Holy hell, Professor X, you just blew my mind. <laughs> That's John awesome. Stewart for president. That's awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, so moving on from the coke sniffing uh, mayor of Toronto to uh, <laughs> the PlayStation Four. <laughs> it's an Ooh, obvious well segue. Transition. Don't we have other news? No, we're going to talk no. about news later. We're going to talk about the bigger news later. I'm talking about your up? big news, oh, my, my big friend. News? Yeah, oh. your, your big news. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I got. You brought it up and said, "Hey, by the way, yeah, I got engaged." Last week. <laughs> Yay! Yeah. To my now fiance Karen. Do you like uh, saying fiance? It's a weird word. Like I, fiance. I like what it Ooh. means, but I don't really love the word. In- my, intended. Yeah. Fiance. Betrothed. She was engaged to her boyfriend, and she couldn't get over like calling him boyfriend and then fiance, mm-hmm. and like it was like she would always go back and forth. So she just like merged and started calling him. Her Beyonce. Oh. oh, wow. Saw that coming. <laughs> That's special. You know what, Bobby? It's very special. Uh, yeah. She's not your Beyonce. You would be her Beyonce. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Um, Welcome. <laughs> yeah, I got engaged. I uh, I proposed. I had a um, acapella group come out and sing one of her favorite songs. And uh, during the middle of the song, they kind of dip down. And I, like, it's funny. Um, the people on this show will know about this day because I, uh, like six months ago or something like that, I went into the city and I ended up buying Day Tripper. Um, and it was on that subway ride home that I just kind of had like this brain, like, you know, this just realization that I was going to marry her. And I had this Midtown Comics bag. And I had a pen and I wrote down on the bag what I was going to say. And I wrote, uh, for the longest time, acapella and underlined it. Oh, wow. And that was in May. 
Uh, and so I read, I, I, I recited what I'd written there to her um, when I proposed. And then after she said yes, thankfully, uh, the 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 choir the choir finished off the the song. It was uh, stressful. <laughs> like the buildup was very stressful, you know, because it's not that I, I I assumed that she was going to say yes, um, but it's still a very nerve wracking um, situation. Yeah. And uh, you know. I had, we had to go up. Anybody who knows the city, um, Columbia University is where the group was from, the acapella group is from, was on 116th Street, um, which is not near anything that no. you would go to as a person going to visit New York City unless you were going to Columbia. That's the only reason you can go up there. Um, and so we had plans. We had dinner plans that night, and uh, we were kind of just galvanizing around the city during the day. And I had to make an excuse, some, some way for us to get up there, and I knew that I couldn't come up with some – I couldn't say we had to go up there naturally because she never would have bought it. So I told her that since it was her birthday, that's why that was the, the guise in which I took her into the city. Um, we stayed over. Uh, that I had a birthday present waiting for her that I had a, a couple friends put together. But we had to pick it up at Columbia before awesome. – uh, between one of their classes or we, we, I wouldn't be able to pick it up. So she knew there was something up. She was like, you're doing something. But she didn't <laughs> – uh, she didn't know that it was it was that, and uh, she saw. It's funny. Um, she has to go to the bathroom all of the time. She like you know it's like every five minutes she has to go to the bathroom, and so we took the subway up um, from like the village, like Fourteenth Street. Oh, 100 blocks. Right? Hundred blocks. Yeah. Um, and it took like twenty minutes. Uh, but she was like, I gotta go to the bathroom, and I'm like, shit. Like I don't know what to do. Like I, we're going walking the Columbia University campus. I have no idea where any bathroom is anywhere you know um and I, i'm worried that when we walk on because there was a place was place supposed to meet them and they were gonna come out after they saw us that they would mistakenly come out when we were walking to the bathroom and i was like well maybe i'll just be like you just have to wait because we, we only have a couple minutes and i was like i don't want her thinking about having to go to the bathroom like while i'm trying to propose to yeah. her <laughs> so yes, we, yes, yes, okay okay i gotta pee exactly so we like ran i was like oh maybe it's in the library and we had to walk past this is what i was gonna do on the steps of the library uh so we walked. We went very quickly into the library, um, and they sent me a text like, "Oh, we're on our way." And I was like, "We had we had to make a bathroom stop." <laughs> and as we came out of the out of the library, under the steps, they were kind of starting to like gather, um, uh-huh. and they were kind of uh-huh. separate. And they just they all they, some of them had red blazers on. A couple of them had their red, like their signature red blazers on. And she she her eyes started darting back and forth. <laughs> um, and so we walked down the steps, and then they walked out, and they were walking up towards us, and. She's like under her breath. She's like, "What the hell did you do? What 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 the hell did you do?" Um, and then they said, "Oh, what was that song again?" And then they started singing uh, for the longest time. Nice. Uh, and they were awesome. They were great. Uh, the Columbia Kingsmen. Right. Yeah. There's a video. Um, it, you know, it's uh, they had someone a friend of theirs take a video, and then if, on that video you can see like six other people taking videos, which I don't know where any of those are, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, you can. I mean, I can repost it, but it's on my Facebook page. Um, it's up there. But yeah. So that's Aww, uh, you romantic stepping <laughs> up the bar. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I Excellent. like her. She's much nicer than you. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, she's delightful. She told me, Oh, I really like Stephanie. And I sent Stephanie a text. Now. <laughs> yeah. After uh after um the meetup at, at Comic Con, I said, Stephanie, Karen really, really likes you. I asked her what the hell's wrong with her. <laughs> <laughs> and then you still chose to marry her. It's true. I like you, Karen. You're nicer than Bobby. Make him nicer. <laughs> so that was my big news. It's 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 a it's a very uh, odd sensation. Um, it, it's funny because I think 
I was mentally prepared for it for like months because I knew I was going to do it. So it's much more, you know, crazy for her right now, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's still, it's great. It's great. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Good job. Um, We'll not be doing a podcast from the wedding, just so everybody knows. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) You suck. Yeah. Uh, our vows will be broadcast. Did you set a date already? No, no date. Uh, we're talking about possibly the fall, though. Ooh, we don't want to be um, of next year or fifteen of fourteen. Oh wow! wow. Yeah, we don't want. I don't want it to be a long. We neither of us want it to be a very long engagement. You know, we just want it to. Uh, we want to be married. So you gonna go big or you gonna go humble? Um, um, uh, it's gonna be relatively big, but in a not in the typical kind of way because. Um, well, anybody who knows Karen uh, knows that she doesn't like that kind of stuff very much. Mm-hmm. And also, I work weddings. That's what I do. I film weddings as my day job. And so I've seen everything a million times, and I know all of like the BS that goes into it and all of the stuff that people overpay for that isn't worth it. Um, so we're going to avoid kind of all of those things. Um, nice. what, what we want to do is we want to... We want to. We're thinking about actually maybe renting like a really big house that has like a bunch of property and just having it there and I, doing doing it outside. And um, you know, we want like we want the food and the and the and the liquor to be like really like a bunch of really good beers and like wine and then like really good bar food stuff like that. If nice. you, yeah. you need any help or any suggestions, mm-hmm. I'll hook you up with Chris. Oh, cool. What we did upstate mm-hmm. was it was phenomenal. Awesome. And as far as prices goes mm-hmm. and good food, he mm-hmm. can definitely hook you up. Awesome. Awesome. There was this great, I, I swear this is relevant to the comic book podcast, but I saw um, <laughs> not too long ago, there's lots of really geeky weddings that keep getting posted online, like photos, because they're just becoming more and more acceptable as people embrace mm-hmm. this culture um, into their lives, like everyday lives. And um, the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, they weren't dressed up in like dresses and all that stuff. They were all in like that Clark Kent kind of um button down shirt suspenders and like dress pants mm-hmm. and they all had their hair back and like the big you know glasses and each person had a different superhero shirt underneath well, that's cool their shirt and like their photos are all of them like the like iconic pose of the shirt yeah. being like ripped open to mm-hmm. reveal each of their um superhero logos underneath that's awesome it was really cool i was like you guys are awesome <laughs> That's really, Stay married really awesome. forever and be adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we just want it. Our first priority is to have everybody there who is important to us, and we're kind of going to build uh, everything else around that fact. So, um, so I'll be there. Yeah, be there. <laughs> <laughs> you're an uninvited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did we? Did we forget? To, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh no! <laughs> oh no! Stephen Eilstetter. I put it on Twitter. Yeah. Didn't you get my email, man? We'll podcast the wedding. And I didn't get in the, come to you in the mail. I'm sorry you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's enough about uh, enough about me. But thank you guys for for asking about it. Um, now hey, to the PS4. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, so the PS4 came out the 15th, right? Last Friday. Yeah. Um, so Steve, you are the only one of our group who has gotten it thus far. I am. Uh, Bob was this close, but he just you know he decided <laughs> yeah. the last second. He's, He's like, seen it. He saw it at my house. Oh, that's true. <laughs> now I'm, I'm going to buy a Nintendo original <coughs> or an Atari, maybe. That's that'd be awesome. You'd be a hit if you bought one of those. That's like the I thing now. I have somebody who has a classic arcade machine for sale. If you buy. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Steve, what are your first impressions of the PS4? Um, the system is just like any launch system that comes out. Uh, it's it's an impressive piece of hardware. 
It is not without its problems. Um, of course, one of the things that usually tends to happen in this day and age with new systems and new games is the online components are not ready. Uh, that is one of the problems that first occurred with the PS4 was, you know, I debated for a while about whether or not I should get any hard disk games, like mm. physical copies of games, and I didn't up until about two days or three days before the system launched, and I caught an Amazon deal where I got I bought uh, two for three. So yeah. I got um, Killzone, Assassin's Creed 4, and Knack. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing I did because after getting the system and bringing it over to my friend's house, we hooked it up and tried to, you know, log into plus and all that and get all the free stuff. And it was nowhere to be found yeah. and it wasn't anywhere to be found for, you know, any number of hours. Mm-hmm. I was up until about 7 AM mm-hmm. fiddling with it and testing it and stuff like that. Um, of the games that I, of I, that I do have, I have all the free games. Now I have uh, blacklight retribution, which for those wondering, it's kind of like Call of Duty Light, but uh, you're going to want to wait a while. It is extraordinarily buggy, and um, play levels are very thin right now, but the the gameplay is fun, but it is unfortunately uh, what they call a pay-to-win game, where basically if you want anything in the game, you're going to have to pay for it. If you want to use in-game currency, they don't allow you to keep your items. You can only borrow or rent them for an you know, a extended period of time. Like you'll pay five hundred credits, which is difficult enough already to get, and you only get that gun for like three days. Oh. So it's a little it's a little weird. It's a little backwards. Um Contrast is a free downloadable if you're uh, a plus member. Otherwise it's fourteen ninety nine. It's really cool. It's about a little girl who basically is trying to help her parents um reconcile and get back together and help her father out of a jam. She is living in the nineteen twenties. The soundtrack is absolutely spectacular. Uh, the gameplay is really cool, but the movement is very stiff, and some of the game mechanics, I think, could have been fleshed out a little bit better. But if you want something quick and fun, um, and that has a lot of atmosphere, and again, the soundtrack is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely wonderful. Uh, Resogun is from the people that did Stardust HD. That is free with Plus. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal game. Hard as hell, but awesome. Yeah, like Stardust, it's like a, almost like an update. Yeah, uh, of a classic arcade game. Yeah, know, it's like a 360 side to side shooter. Yeah, uh, you collect the power ups, and you essentially you have to listen to the prompts from your controller because the tr- the controllers now have speakers mm-hmm. and they talk. Yeah. Um. So like the Wii. yeah. <laughs> so the controller will actually alert uh, to you when these uh, the hunters or something are coming, and if you don't destroy them, the cages that are hosting the humans won't open and they'll die. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, of course, affects your multipliers and your final score and all that stuff. Um, really quick in regard, uh, Assassin's Creed 4 looks gorgeous. I'm sure it's the same as it's been for the last couple of weeks, but it looks phenomenal, especially in 1080p. Real nice. Mm-hmm. Um Killzone is really cool, but I bought it kind of forgetting how clunky and often like claustrophobic and slow kill zone can be because of all the armor that you're wearing and the guns you're carrying around are very heavy that it just plays as a very heavy first person shooter um it looks it's the most impressive looking game that i've seen on the system the cities are immaculate like i've never seen graphics like that when Mm. they when they pan back when you're in the elevator or you're flying around the cities are some of the most beautiful things i've ever seen in a video game Mm. but um, the surprise 
the surprise title of I think the whole system. I haven't played every game, but believe it or not, is Knack. Knack is awesome. It's <laughs> awesome. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I'm going to warn people: it is really, really hard. It's really hard. I read a couple of reviews about difficulty spikes, and no shit. The game is pretty much like a two-hit kill, almost like like a Dark Souls of platforming. Mm-hmm. It's really hardcore. As you, my my only complaint with it is that as your character grows bigger, as he collects more relics, it doesn't really change anything, with the exception of his size. Like he looks different, but he plays the same. Mm-hmm. So it's neat when you get this stuff, but even if you hit harder, the enemies are more difficult. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really, whatever. Right. Um, but if you die, they send you back to a checkpoint that is much farther back than you remember or would care to be. And it's a challenge. Yeah. And honestly, I'm about seven chapters through it. I think there's 13 total. And, uh, it's the most fun that I've had with the system. The online is now up and it is working. Uh, it's buggy, but you know, nothing, nothing game breaking Mm -hmm. at all. Oh, one more thing. And then I'll, and then I'll move on. Um, download for free it's a free-to-play game and you can earn everything in the game if you work for it there is if you guys like third-person shooters in the vein of um it's kind of like gears of war meets mass effect Mm. it's called warframe Warframe, it is the shit (laughs) it is so awesome and and the things that you can earn the designs the artwork is spectacular for this game and the gameplay is tight it's been around for about a year so it was basically just a port um and it supports all kinds of different players the controls are tight the combat is tight and it's got a lot of varying modes um you'll have to play with a lot of stupid people at first Mm -hmm. but if you can manage to get a a party together you know there won't be anything to stop you um the only thing i've really had a problem with so far has been hooking up with people that are uh, still on their PS3s, mm. like online. Like I usually do headsets to play Marvel um, Marvel Heroes on mm. the PC with friends, and um, they can't find me. Oh, really? I see them, but they don't see me. And whenever I send out a request, they don't mm. get anything. Mm. So, like I said, they're still having issues. Um, is it worth the money? It will be. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it yet yeah. because the library is isn't that large. Uh, the things that I'm playing that I'm enjoying, I am enjoying them, but it's nothing that I couldn't wait to play mm-hmm. for a while. Um, but I mean, with that being said, I'm happy to have one. And I there's things that were announced the night of, I mean, Uncharted 4 mm. told me that I, I made the right decision mm-hmm. right then and there. I can't wait to play that. Yeah, I mean, for me, that's the, that's the reason I'm not, I still want one, but I'm not uh, fiending for it because there's nothing in the launch lineup that... Uh, I look at it and I even go, I would probably play that. You know, not, yeah. not, not, and not that I don't think there's anything good because I think, um, like I would, I think the new Assassin's Creed game actually looks cool and I think the, the idea of it is, is, is interesting. But the thing about, the only thing about the system that I want that I can't do the other stuff is uh, they have the built-in um, streaming stuff now. Yeah. You can stream to Twitch and you stream built-in. You don't need an extra piece of software anymore, extra piece of hardware anymore to do it. Right. Um, and I really want to start doing that stuff more often and I, I find myself not because of the extra steps you have to go through. So that is something I'm really, really interested in, in checking out. Well, but, maybe um, since you have your equipment here, maybe we could figure that out for me so I could yeah, do a couple of absolutely, them. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I was going to say something. I forgot what it was. I'm sorry, Go but on. I was I watched some uh, a lot of uh, on Giant Bomb. I watched a lot of uh, they did a like a eight hour live stream. Nice the day the system came out and just 
went through the whole back, went through the whole front end, went played a bunch of games, and just kind of really dug into it. And I've watched the first like part and a half of it so far. It's separated mm-hmm. parts, but the there was stuff in the front end I thought was very very cool. Like the if you have the camera, the automatic sign in stuff I think is really really awesome. Like the face mm-hmm. recognition, um, it still seems like they're. Uh, working around a few things like it's still I still look at it and I go some of these online features at least the stuff that I've seen in this videos are still not as good as the Xbox 360s like like the the way that they're the, the streamlined nature right. of it at all however I mean I love my PlayStation 3 and I'm excited about the PlayStation 4 it's just I, I mean for me it's infamous that's the game that I am second son yeah that's March 21st yeah that's the game that I that that I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I'll probably definitely have one before March 21st, mm-hmm. but that is the game I see. I'm like, I need it before that game comes out because I want to play that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, I did the I did the smart thing where when I pre-ordered mine, I pre-ordered it the day that they went up that um, I paid it off little by little each mm-hmm. month. So it wasn't like this huge chunk that I had to throw down all at once. And it was mm-hmm. probably the smartest thing I could have done. Yeah. But I mean, for weeks when I was looking at the launch titles, when they finally announced them, I, you know, thought about taking my, my reserve away and just waiting and moving on. And then it occurred to me, when the hell is the next time I'm going to have like, you know, 500 plus dollars to throw <laughs> yeah. down on a system. So yeah. I just ended up getting it mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just hoping that uh, my system remains. I didn't get the warranty, which mm-hmm. might be a mistake mm-hmm. seeing as there's some blue lights going yeah, around. Yeah, but that stuff, I think that they'll they'll honor that. If, if it's stuff like that, the Xbox honored that stuff. So I feel like that yeah. they'll honor it. But I mean, I'm happy with it. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to have it, I should say. Um, not super overwhelmingly impressed mm. with it but i don't think anybody ever is when something comes out on day one no 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 that's no. why you don't buy it on day one <laughs> well well i mean, well, I, mean also, I understand it. I, it's gonna be so much cheaper in like six months not six months you no. got you got at least a year until they drop the price uh, on that thing i yeah. don't know yes. both of the new consoles are like stupidly expensive they're less expensive than they were last time don't care <laughs> but i'm Too just much. saying you're just jealous I'm not jealous at all. I've been playing Assassin's Creed on my Xbox, and it looks fantastic, and I don't need more than that. It's all right. You don't have to be mad at people who buy it, though, Stephanie. It's okay. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I'm personally waiting. Because, like, to your point, like, you're basically just paying an excessive amount of money to have glitches. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I I get the wanting to have something on day one. I mean, I'm that way, too. I bought the Wii U on day one. But but I I just, like, I've just learned that. Like, it's just, for me, better to wait because mm. there's not enough right now for me to, you know, be like, ooh, mm. gimme, gimme. Yeah. I mean, if, if, like, Uncharted 4 had come out, yeah, uh, launch, mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's all about games when it comes down to it. Except for Nintendo with me. I'll always buy Nintendo stuff regardless of the games that are out because I'm just, it's, just, it's like Disney. <laughs> you know? It's like video it's game like, Disney. It's like magic. Yeah. I want to play Wonderful 100 really bad. Yeah but I haven't been able to get my hands on it. <laughs> um, all right, so time to comic books is 27 minutes uh, on Talking Comics. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's dive into some comic books here. Um, let's do some books of the week. Um, Stephanie, why don't you start us out? Okay. Um, so I probably, I know I've been bad, and I, I read a lot of like books without pictures this weekend. <laughs> um, they still make those? Yeah, I know, right? It's like, why? <laughs> um, but anyways, so I spent a lot of time doing that and then catching up with a lot of graphic novels um, that I have been acquiring and not reading because, mm. yay, every week there's more single issues, <laughs> which is lovely. But anyways, so first of all, um, I read Pulp Hope's Battling Boy. Mm. Um, don't know if any of you have had a chance to read that yet, but mm. um, it's fantastic. It I really, really enjoyed it. And basically it's kind of like this Thor-esque, hero 
um, he sends his son to um, this city that's just being overrun by monsters. And uh, as his sort of test to become a man, he has to find a way to, you know, help the city. Um, and the first half of it is really just kind of um, this former hero of the city and his quest to get rid of every everything bad. Um, and you kind of see him, some bad shit happen and, uh, it's up to battling boy to, you know, take over and try and figure out a way to help these people. Um, and it's beautiful art, beautiful colors, and just a great story. Um, I'm pretty sure unless like I'm wrong that there's going to be more to this. Like it doesn't say volume one on it or anything, but it kind of just ends. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to assume that there's more to it, but it's available in a beautiful hardcover and um, a paperback as well. Um, It's really great. Um, I also read a book called The Girl Who Owned a City. Um, I I probably shouldn't have put it away. I can't remember who (laughs) wrote it, but um, Joelle Jones does the art for it. And it's about... um, uh, There's a plague that's taken over you know, the world or, and all of the adults have died. So all that's left is children. And there's this one girl who's trying to protect her little brother and to kind of fend for him. And, you know, then all the other kids want her to help too. And cause she knows how to, you know, survive. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all kind of rally together to try and make it through, you know, a world without, you know, the people that normally would guide them. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. It's not very long. I found it at like a used bookstore for $3. <laughs> so I was like, sure, I'll check this out for that. It's um, uh, written it... by Dan Jolly. Thank you. Um, it was based person. on a book by O.T. Nelson. All right. There, there you, you have it. There you go. So um, it's really interesting. It's an interesting look at, you know, a world without adults and art is great if you're familiar with Joel Jones's work. Um, so that was something else I checked out. Um, I don't know if you guys read Dark Horse's Bee Vixens from Mars. No. no. Tell us. <laughs> it's a grindhouse book. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, or not written, uh, it's drawn by Francesco Francovella. And, oh my God, it was like so hokey and it was so fun all at the same time. Like, it's kind of, like really weird it's very just like grindhouse stuff you know it's what you would expect Mm -hmm. um but it was really fun and i think the second volume actually came out last week but i only just discovered the first volume last week and they were sold out of the second so i checked it out and it was really interesting um so there's that and why are they bee vixens tell us um well they don't it's like part one so i don't know like they don't really get to that basically like the it goes through this thing where all the townsfolk are, they really like this honey. It's really good. <laughs> and then, you know, then there's like this incident up at the old church and there's like a beehive. A and big beehive. Sounds like Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yeah. And then all these incidents sort of ensue. But I thought you were doing like an old timey, like, I really like this honey. Like that, I thought you meant like a woman. I didn't really just meant actual honey. Nope, there's actual honey, like, gotcha. mm, from bees. Gotcha. On the hill. I'm with you now. Shenanigans are ensuing. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to buy it, see? Mm-hmm. It's 
it's interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna check out the next volley or the next um issue and see where it goes. But um I haven't actually seen the be vixens from Mars yet. Aww. Well See there was a movie sure. years ago Invasion Spoiling. of the Bee Girls. Mm. So I'm sure it's they'll show up. You can't have a title like that and not deliver. No. I know. There there's some stuff that happens that lead me to believe that the next issue will have lots of the bee vixens from Mars. <laughs> yeah. Um and then quickly I read I last week or I guess I wasn't on the show last week cuz you guys have seen Thor and I haven't yet. Um <laughs> but the week before um I talked about the Midnight Circus the Hellboy series mm-hmm. and this week I checked out another Mike Mignola book um called BPRD Vampire. Um so that is Mike Mignola and then it's Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba. Mhm. Ba. Um, really really great. Really enjoyed it. Art's fantastic. Story's really cool. And there's a couple things that happened that I didn't really understand, but for the most part, again, it was um, it was enough to be a one-off that I understood mm-hmm. and was able to pick up and enjoy. Um, it's really spooky, and you know, with a vampire in the title, you might have guessed that there's vampires in it. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, they do not sparkle. They're really <laughs> scary. <good>. So. <laughs> If you're into Mike Mignola and you like the Hellboy stuff and haven't checked out the BPRD, I really recommend it. It was good. I really enjoyed it. Awesome. And I promise this is my last one. This is like my actual book of the week. So you guys probably know that I'm a fan of Mike Norton and Tim Seeley's revival. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that, although 14 was really good. Um, (laughs) And I was a really big fan of Battle Pug as well. Mm -hmm. So freaking good. (laughs) And um, this week, I read Mike Norton's The Curse. Mm-hmm. So on the cover of The Curse, it's also been released in, um, I don't think it's trade paperback, but I think there's a hardcover of it. Anyways, it's available. And um, basically, this there's a big pug on the cover, so don't be confused. It's not Battle Pug. <laughs> um, he just really likes pugs, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, Moving on. So this is, a, if you've ever heard of the 24-hour comic marathons artists and writers they get together at comic book shops that host these events and they make comics for 24 hours straight Mm -hmm. um sometimes big name people come out to them sometimes not sometimes just you know people just trying to practice and kind of be part of the community yada yada it's it's really awesome although probably really 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 tiring yes um so for three consecutive years, I believe, um, Mike Norton has gone to um, these marathons, and um, he did his at Challengers Comics in Chicago, and let me see here. Yeah, he did them three years in a row, and he came up with, you know, this sleep-addled tale called The Curse, and basically, there's three separate stories, all kind of more or less dealing with the same characters. You know, the first one's actually called The Curse. And Mike Norton apparently really has a potty mouth. And he, like, I swear to God, there's, like, at least two to three instances of the word fuck on, like, every page. (laughs) But it's amazing. (laughs) Like, you know, it's this, like, dude and his pug. And, you know, they're just kind of, like, hanging out. And this guy's girlfriend breaks up with him. And he's like, oh, we don't need her. La, la, la. Let's just go for a walk. And, like, on his walk... He gets bitten by a pirate. <laughs> wait, 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 he gets and, bitten by a pirate. Yeah, a pirate 
just pops out of the bushes and bites him and runs off. And then he is now cursed with wear piratism. <laughs> <laughs> so like the next morning after he's been bitten, he wakes up with like an eye patch and like an <laughs> earring. And then like eventually he has like a peg leg and all these other That's things. Awesome. And, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like this pirate is taking over his life <laughs> and like it seriously sounds so ridiculous but it's amazing and i just like died laughing <laughs> and you know his cries can be heard across the city of <laughs> and it's pretty much the best <laughs> and you know the second part um is like it just keeps on getting better like the second part which was obviously written like a year later it's called the curse Two. The cursing, <laughs> and you know it. There's just all these little mini stories that take place that are just absolutely ridiculous, and all in oh, and David Bowie and Labyrinth randomly shows up at one point. <laughs> Jareth, Jareth the Goblin King, <laughs> he's in here for reasons, obviously, mm-hmm. and his dog Baxter, the paranormal investigator slash pirate. It's. Basically the best thing I've read, like, possibly all week slash ever. I feel like <laughs> it's what it's like to live inside your brain. That's <laughs> what I feel like it is. <laughs> it's seriously ridiculous mm-hmm. in the best way. Like, at one point in time, you know, because Jareth is there for reasons, stuff happens. There's, like, this explosion. And, like, one of the things he shouts is, like, Great Henson's corpse! <laughs> it's just really great. Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> It's really great. And then the last one's just The Curse 3.0, and they're all collected in this um, volume that's available at your local comic book store. <laughs> and which company puts this one out so we can talk? I believe, let me check here, it is put out by Oni Press. All right. So there you have it, guys. Oh, awesome. That's it? Should... Yes. That was one of your most put-together Book of the Week segments I think you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> you bobby you're very I will welcome take that as a compliment it, carry on it is a compliment <laughs> <laughs> right. moving so. on to uh, bob okay dokey i don't know how i follow that where piratism and i know david bowie and mm. i, I wish that was a thing how great would it be to be a were pirate yeah <laughs> <laughs> i've never are <laughs> well, there are people in portland that actually just have taken up the pirate life like seriously there's people that like walk around and they just like wear pirate gear and stuff and they're just Pirates. We have in Miller Place, we have a house that is the pirate house oh, yeah, uh, pirate all year house. round. And especially during Christmas, he, uh, the owner of the house, especially I think his. Christmas, naturally. Yeah, you know, pirate <laughs> Christmas. Uh, all of the. He has literally ships and giant sandcastles and sharks and crustaceans and shells and more pirates all hanging about his house in the front yard and the side yard. Real pirates are like. No, he's he's collected things over the years and has literally built like entire I don't even know what you would call them like nativity scenes of pirates. Oh, pirates. That's great. Um on this day. It's pretty fantastic. We were given pirates. People were trying to get uh to get him to get rid of it. They were, had a petition going around forever and nobody would sign Why? it. Why? Why They said it was a distraction that? for people driving. There was too many exactly. people stopping in front of the house to check it out. Oh. Uh, get a life. Make it a tourist attraction. Yeah. It's awesome, and it's still there. Mm-hmm. You have to show Anyways, me this. Next time I I'm come sorry over. Sure. To have, you know. Why well, apologize? It's, it's right. awesome. I'm going to have right. to buy this myself. <laughs> anyway, 
Um, quickly speaking of Triple Helix number two, it's Leonard O'Grady on colors and John Byrne on basically everything else. If you liked Trio and picked up the first issue of this, it's more just good old-fashioned retro superhero fun, a little bit of mysteries. They have the monitor robots who are the Sentinel stand-ins. But there's something else going on. We see who controls them. And his little girl, which starts <laughs> to get really weird. But this has been a lot of fun, so mm. going that way. <laughs> I told people two weeks ago that they should probably not buy the Rocketeer <laughs> Spirit single issues because it'd be such a gap between them since there was such between one and two. Mm-hmm. Well, now two weeks later, here's number three with another artist. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, it's Jay Bone this time around. Oh. Jay Bone. Jay Bone. So it is, hey. it, again, perfectly in keeping with what's going on, mm. still manage all the stuff that's happening here. Story's getting deeper and deeper, and Betty's in trouble, of course. J-Bone did the art for Hollywood Horror, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so there's a lot of that vibe, mm. and then, unfortunately, I didn't get the Chris Samney variant cover, which oh, wow. is really hard nice. to come by, yeah. so hoping there's a trade paperback of this with these covers, mm. but if you... Forget what I said the last time. Go buy uh, issue three well, of Rocketeer Spirit. Well, now you know because you said that. Now issue four is going to come out in three months. Yeah, yeah, next summer <laughs> yeah. before it comes out. But yeah. it, it's it's just a heck of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's been one of my favorite miniseries of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, just it's Mark Wade doing classic characters, and they're characters that don't shouldn't really meld together, mm-hmm. and yet they do. So try this one, Pulp Friction. I'm interested in this next one because I haven't read it yet. I'll try not to... There's nothing really to spoil. Yeah. It's Batgirl 25. I'm less about sp- spoiling. I want to hear I want to okay. what you thought of it as the, the, the Batgirl gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, this is me. <laughs> uh, this is a zero-year tie-in. So this happened six years before all the stuff that was been going on mm-hmm. in Batgirl, mm-hmm. which is Batgirl Wanted, the whole mm-hmm. fallout from that mm-hmm. deal. Marguerite Bennett mm-hmm. instead of Gail Simone, but it's still Fernando Passerine and his amazing Alex Garner cover. Yeah, I love the covers. Mm. Yeah. It is a huge flood. I don't know what's going on in Zero Year. Mm-hmm. The giant storm coming. It's sort of yeah. like Hurricane Sandy mm-hmm. on steroids. Yeah. Powers out because the Riddler did something, mm-hmm. which isn't really explained tremendously well. Yeah, not that. Yeah, no. No. I have, so I have no clue what's going on, except, you know, Commissioner Gordon shows up and goes, well, protect your brother, mm-hmm. who we know a lot about the brother yeah. now moving forward. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should have let him drown. <laughs> Wouldn't have been so bad. <laughs> Lots, this is Barbara, I guess, is 16 here, mm-hmm, right, somewhere yeah. in, in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Commissioner has to go do commissioner stuff. As mm-hmm. soon as he leaves, they want them to evacuate. Right. Barbara runs in the closet, picks up all the commissioner type stuff bulletproof vests and knives and guns mm-hmm. and all sorts of things and runs out. There's a little bit of a mystery. There's a neighbor and stuff going on. There's intrigue with that. Some of the. Thought balloons, you know, like them, or captions that mm-hmm. are filling in for those. No one uses thought balloons right. anymore. Well, maybe Wade and Byrne do, but right. no one else anymore. Yeah. Don't seem in sync with what's going on, okay. as if somewhere in the process we don't have enough panels to do what needs to be done. Barbara does a lot of great stuff. It's just sort of, it's not having read the rest of this, mm-hmm. it's just another blow to the momentum of the right. series. Mm-hmm. It would have been a fine one shot outside of right. this. Yeah. If this is. As the Zero issue, which was so great, mm-hmm. where you saw Barbara becoming Batgirl in, right, the, in yeah. that siege at the police station. It'd be great. It's a fun story. She gets to do a lot of good stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm just unhappy with having spent $4. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking at Gothtopia in two months. <laughs> right. So this, it's, it's a good issue. Mm-hmm. 
if you're buying zero year, I'm sure you're going to want this to know what's happening in Gotham City and mm. that part of town over by the river, which is now overflowing its banks and mm. 40 feet high, like in the abyss or whatever. Right. If you're a fan of Batgirl, mm. you guess you have to buy it as I did. <laughs> I, I, the co- I just love the cover. I like the cover yep. of her with the like the the the, the flak jacket on and, and the short hair. Mm. As, as I, I would write a whole book about that. I haven't even read a word of it. I would read a whole book about that character. <laughs> and that's from the book. Yeah. She does all sorts of mm. cool stuff that you'd expect her to be able mm. to do. Just that. Right. In the flow of the series. It's, 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 yeah. it's terrible. And that's really been the real problem mm. with the series over the last year or so. Since the Court of Owls ended, it was going along. Mm-hmm. Then we got to Death of the Family and there were four Right, Batgirl issues of that. Yeah, and Gail Simone likes writing these crossover mm-hmm. issues. Yeah, but apparently didn't get to do this one for whatever reason. I don't know why. I don't know what's up. With yeah, that. I, she hasn't said yeah. except I just didn't do this. Yeah, one. but she heard it was good. <laughs> At least that's what I read. So, yeah, okay. not terrible, mm-hmm. just not great. Right, great standalone mm-hmm. could have been better if it wasn't number twenty-five. Right, gotcha. World's finest seventeen. Mm-hmm. Now the art in this is better. <laughs> the story has been good and is all along. Uh, Karen's powers are going a little haywire because of all the stuff that went on with Desaad and all the other jazz. Uh, the cover is pretty awful, however. <laughs> the cover is by, I'm going to mispronounce this name badly, the cover is by Emanuela Lupacino. <laughs> At least I'm close. What we have is sort of an upside-down shot of Power Girl's uh, window, which they've <laughs> put back in. So you sort of now look mm-hmm. down or up her cleavage. <laughs> yeah. Now, inside, it's this interesting cross. I'm going to ask the fellas here who are mm. looking, where it sort of looks like this is... Um, it's actually it's Scott McDaniel on breakdowns and R.B. Silva. R.B. Silva, do, yeah. R.B. Silva's a pretty know. good artist. It sort of seems as if it's a cross... It, it's... Felipe Andre Dexter Soy crossed with Jim Lee. <laughs> there is, there's definitely a lot of Jim Lee, like in the faces. You can definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't really see any soy though. Yeah, well, it's sort of the angular, and you, if you see further on some of the action shots when we mm-hmm. see have that sort of right. It's nice though. It's, it's, it's nice. It's, 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 considering where the last few mm-hmm. were, I am sort of back on board though. Mm-hmm. I'm still. I wrote <laughs> as I wrote to somebody, I'm. The sales of this are not great. You've been holding on to that because every time that you talk about this book, it's the last one. <laughs> Paul Levitz's story here of these two buddies, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lost daughters of Earth 2, whatever, mm-hmm. it's so engaging. They are such great characters. He's a classic writer from the old days, and it's brilliantly done, mm-hmm. and they, they don't sit around moaning about it. They go do something about mm-hmm. it. They have fun with each other. Even in these crazy situations, they obviously care about each other. And I want to read more books like that. Mm-hmm. When the art undercut the story, mm-hmm. it becomes hard to support it. Right. At some level, I'd almost like them to cancel it. <laughs> that way I wouldn't have to have this anxiety all the time about whether or not I should be buying World's Finest. Such anxiety. Such anxiety. It's funny. It's only, <laughs> at least this one's only $3. So I'm only wasting $3 at a time. But, you know, again... When you the art that was on this book when it began, it's George Perez and Kevin McGuire. Right. So yeah. you've gone from the major leagues to the, the, the B team, mm-hmm. and it's just it's not right. quite good. This is better. Mm-hmm. This was definitely better. So another I'm, round. I, I'm on for one more <laughs> until they change the art and we're back into some other sludge. Anyway, a book that is not. Uh, with any sort of qualifications, great, is Fearless Defenders number 11. Uh, it's Colin Bunn, Will Sliney, another amazing Mark Brooks cover. This time it's the Stalin-era yeah. 
Soviet Union Workers of the World Unite cover. Hmm. It is just, they're on vacation now. They go to New Amazonia and Hippolyta, and you get to see some of her origin. Uh, giant monsters everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's caused by their, their, their big bear, which is Carolyn Le Fay. Mm. And I'm going <laughs> to... We have two new villains who are introduced in... With their, they have their own little, little boxes. We don't, you don't get to see caption boxes anymore. <laughs> so um, there's this girl. She sort of looks like Medusa. She's horns and purpley and all sorts of weirded out. Aradnia, gothy Atlantean witch, and then her cohort, Echidna, your mama's so ugly she gave birth to all the monsters of Greek myth. <laughs> <laughs> and they're pretty ugly monsters. We've got, Stephanie, you'd love this, we've got a giant shark with Ooh. sort of little pilot fish on top of it. It looks like a, the world's biggest lobster, a giant prawn over on this side. I don't know what's going on. And, of course, Elsa Bloodstone, who's, uh, this isn't my kind of vacation. Well, mm-hmm. now it is. I've got giant monsters to bash. <laughs> we're, we're coming down the end of this one more, mm-hmm. which is just so sad. But this is just great. Please, people, go buy the trades. Just enjoy mm-hmm. the heck out of this book. Oh, it's Will Sliney's birthday on Tuesday, by the way. Happy yes. birthday to so Will. It's, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I read it. I enjoyed it. But I, I'm racking my brain as to how they're going to end this in one more issue. Because it... It doesn't. It feels like the end of an arc. It doesn't feel like the end of a series. It's, well, who knows if they even knew they were gonna? They probably didn't know they were gonna. Oh, end and this I'm point. sure. I just. I'm point. saying it's. It's such a shame because mm-hmm. I. I have a feeling that it's gonna end, and that's that's gonna be it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just gonna end. Right. Well, I think you'll see there. These characters show up somewhere. There's been a lot of work done in setting up some really good people here. I'd like to think someone will pick these up. Caroline LeFay is an awfully good villain to lose in the next issue forever, so she'll turn up somewhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe look, we'll go through the sales numbers later. Last issue of this had a big bounce upwards. Mm-hmm. Now, is it people were finally catching on and they're behind mm-hmm. and then there'll be a mini series maybe to finish this off? If those Someone numbers... was finally talking about it because it was in the news because it was getting canceled and people mm-hmm. were like, oh, what's yeah. this? <laughs> well, maybe that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll we get to see them moving forward in whatever form. I'd be really happy because this has just been so much fun and people run on by those trades, convince Marvel they need to do more Fearless Defenders. Mm-hmm. To Book of the Week. I know I'm, people are going to, Yeah. Bob's picking an image book as Book of the Week. <laughs> yes, it is. It is uh, Brandon Monclair and Amy Reader's Rocket Girl Number 2, which is just sensational. Uh, story is just a heck of a lot of fun. We're dealing again with time travel from what was what would have been the future from people from 1986, or at least what they thought it might be. And the young Johansson, who is a teenage policewoman from 2013 of then this get this will give you a headache thinking about these time travel things but it's fun she comes back to try to fix things so things will be better mm-hmm. but as she points out to two of the people she's met here in 1986 it's annie mendez and Ryder storm what a great name sounds like a detective or something right it should be a female private detective yeah exactly <laughs> Yesterday altered the future, created my world, a world that was never meant to be. I'm here to make sure there's no more home for me to go to, ever. She wants to stay. Well, she's willing to sacrifice what would be her own future Mm -hmm. to change things for everybody in the intervening 27 years. That's pretty heroic stuff. You've got some intrigue here as to who exactly and why exactly this time travel machine that she came back with got sent, who's in charge of the Quintum Mechanics Company. Nice mystery forming. 
and the art is just mm. some of those beautiful things I've ever seen. The, the panel layouts actually just draw your eyes across the page. Emotionalism galore, and a two-page spread of people looking at sort of computer news mm -hmm. that is just outstanding. It's actually 3D in its depth. It's all these little screens and everyone looking everywhere. This is supposed to be an ongoing. I don't know how long ongoing is going to be. Mm. I hope this runs forever. I hope <laughs> it runs for the 27 years that they're talking about. Brandon and Amy have just really knocked this out of the park. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. If your store still has the first issue, I think they're pretty much sold out. Mm -hmm. I just read Find it today, it. actually. And what would you what'd you think? I really enjoyed it. I was going to talk about it, but I know you, we had talked about it a while back, so I felt... Like I was late to the party. No, well, go. T <laughs> t talk to our fans about it in your own no, inimitable it was, way. It was awesome. I just really enjoyed it. I think it's a really interesting take on, you know, that sort of the time travel story. And it, the character is just really unique. Um, I, I think it's – I haven't read the second issue yet. But I think it's going really interesting places. And it kind of reminds me a bit of, like, Continuum, if anyone's seen that. No, I haven't. But, <laughs> no. Okay. Well, if for anyone who has seen Continuum, it's a bit like that. Only she voluntarily goes back in time. Oh um, wait, that was the Sci-Fi Channel show. Yes, I watched yeah, a few yeah. of those. It was interesting. Mm hmm. So that was what it kind of like reminded me of after watching that not too long ago and then reading it. But I know artists and writers hate when they're like, "Your book kind of reminded me of this." So I'm sorry, <laughs> but it's really unique. It's not like it just. It was like the hint of that mm. it's really cool yeah the uh the visuals in it are something uh are something pretty special i mean when i you open the book i mean like i don't know who does the colors uh, on the on the book i don't I think, know i think she does she does yeah um they're just gorgeous i mean they it th that's what stands out to me the mm. most i mean obviously the line work is, is great but when i open the book certain pages just the, the pop of, mm -hmm. the, of the colors is it, it, it's it it's the most eye-catching i think book in that way that I've, I've ever read uh in in the way that it looks like that that's a fun story to go with it. I mean, sometimes the art yeah. could overshadow the story itself and the characters work in concert with it. Just a fine, fine little book. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a really good book. Indeed. All right. That's Steve, me. Steve, what do you got for us? What do I got? <laughs> I was going to say indeed got? again. <laughs> I'm not, though. I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about uh, something that we actually haven't discussed uh, since it's been going on, or not, at least haven't discussed it in a while. Uh, Ultimate Comics is coming to an end with uh, Cataclysm, Cataclysm, and Galactus is mm -hmm. coming to nom 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 on the universe, <laughs> and uh, apparently take it out of uh, take it out of the running. Now, I don't necessarily know how this event is like numbered or working. It appears like there's a lot of titles that are all tying into this. I'm assuming this is Ultimate's event since I don't pay attention to their line mm -hmm. of books. I guess I'm I'm completely on the outside mm -hmm. of this, but um, the book that I read that was recommended to us by our friend Rob is actually uh, Ultimate Comics Cataclysm Point One or mm -hmm. Zero Point One by um, Joshua Fialkov. It was awesome. Oh yeah, it was awesome. It was really good. It was really really good. It was really um, good. Just yeah, really <laughs> really good and awesome. <laughs> No, the the art was nice. The there's like a female vision running around. It's a it's a love story. It's the end of a love story that I've not been privy to ever. Mm -hmm. And within this one issue, I actually managed to feel quite a bit 
for the circumstances of what's going on between these characters that I've never met that the just the circumstances and the the end of the world scenario that's going on and there's a there's a sacrifice within the story that if if you could involve me with two characters within 24 pages or whatever it is that you have and actually make me feel something for a loss by the end of it then you've done your job quite well mm-hmm. um I I'm sad to to say that there was a there was another issue of this the number one official number one which I did not care for um, I felt that it lost a lot of that heart and and the momentum of that zero point one issue but who knows maybe it's just an interim thing and it's going to mm. pick up again uh, the Ultimate Comics Spider Man issue for Cataclysm which follows the events of the um, Cloak and Dagger stuff that's been going on was good but it was one of those comics where when you were reading it like you blinked and it was over Mm. you know Mm. like not too much happened you felt like you had like three key moments or three scenes within x amount of pages and it was just like poof Mm -hmm. it was done like before i even when i closed it i i felt like i just opened it so that was a little weird Mm. um i love that book i love the character and i love the series so i'll continue to follow it into this event but um, I'm just hoping that future issues feel either meatier or this just goes really quickly and we can get back to business and I don't have to worry about it. I don't it. know what the business is going to be after these three issues. Well, it's, I think the one to pay attention to will be the Miles Morales stuff because yeah. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. No, I don't think he's going anywhere either, but it's, it will be fascinating to see how it uh, shakes all shakes out. Right. Uh, I read all new X-Men. Don't remember anything about it, so I'm not going to talk <laughs> about it. Uh, caught up with Aquaman. Aquaman's Hell awesome. Hell yeah. Aquaman is still so good. Yeah. It's so good. It's never, it never disappoints. It's so epic. Mm-hmm. I love it. Is this the Jeff Parker? Not yet. No, no. not we're, yet. We're closing out the, I think Johns has one or two more issues uh, yeah. on the book and then Parker takes over. But so. it's awesome. Yeah. It's so, even like the whole going back to the origins mm. thing, he's uncovering things that people have been, I guess, Aquaman's had this stigma or this thing that's surrounded him for years, and he's always been, not always, but maybe in a lot of circles considered lame, mm-hmm. or his backstory's stupid, or nobody cares, and he talks to fish, and what mm-hmm. the hell is that, and blah, blah, blah. And Jeff Johns has managed to make him such a commanding presence and make his powers really badass. Yeah, yeah. Like when he's leaping out of the ocean, he's got like blue whales and killer, <laughs> killer great whites and octopus yeah. and like all these things, squids coming out of the water ready to yeah. like kick some ass. It's awesome. Yeah. Not to mention the the carnage and the tsunamis and all mm. of the this ocean stuff is mm. really, really impressive. The yeah. artwork is just as good as the writing. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Caught up with Red Sonja. Still awesome. Still one of my favorite uh, comics on the shelves. New one today. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to read Velvet. It's good, right? Yeah. I got to read <laughs> Velvet number one from uh, Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Cool. I have never read like Criminal or, or mm-hmm. any of his other stuff. I think I might have some of it, but never got around. I think Incognito I own, mm-hmm. but I have yet to read it. Uh, super cool. Made me regret not keeping up with Fatal mm-hmm. that I have all of them that I need. I read, I remember the first arc distinctly. Don't remember anything about the second, and there's like a third and fourth already. Mm-hmm. So, got to catch up with that. But for those that haven't checked out Velvet yet, and you like uh, like double crossing spy espionage stuff with a really really strong uh, character as your you know as your guide through this story, 
really good stuff. Yeah, it's so the book is so quiet and measured. Like yeah. we talked about this when we talked about the first time for about. 24 pages and then the last three pages it just like cranks everything up yeah 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 they really they they put you in a situation where you're reading along and it seems almost um like like not i don't, I don't want to say that it's by the numbers because mm. it's written very well mm. but it's not it up until the last couple pages it isn't a story you've heard this story before mm-hmm. in a thousand times and then within the last couple of pages they kind of throw a wrench into the works and you're like oh all right, now I'm, you know, yeah. like I was, it was one of those things where while reading it, I was like, this is really good, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I have to keep buying it mm-hmm. and keep up with it because it just seems like it's just going to be another like cop story. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I mean, it yeah. obviously it is, yeah. but there's going to be a few more layers to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already talked about Rocket Girl. I love it. Story's great. Character's awesome. I want to have her come over and cook me some pancakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the colors are just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, a book that I read yesterday that I wanted to bring up because I was pretty sure that nobody was going to talk about it was a new release from Image Comics called Umbral. Uh, Umbral number one, and it is by Anthony Johnson. Actually, they have scribed by Anthony Johnson, Ooh. illuminated by Christopher Mitten, painted. Oh, oh, painter. Oh, he didn't. He got a boring one. John John Roach <laughs> and Flourisher by Thomas Mauer. Mm-hmm. Um, Umbral is one of those books that has me written all over it. The The artwork is very hellish, very nightmarish, very squiggly, um, polished but unfinished at the same time. It's got a super, super, super thick uh, lore that comes along with it. The book itself feels very beefy. And by the time I was done reading it, I kind of wanted to see how much I had paid for it based on how much I enjoyed the story. And it's only a two ninety nine book. For a two ninety nine book, you got a lot of story out of this, and uh, all the ads, if there were any, I think there was like maybe three. They were all in the back, mm. so it was this you know big presentation. Um, now this book for me was kind of a kind of a double edged sword. It's pretty much about royalty and a like a, a nightmarish force, you know, breaching their way. They're they're from this place called the Umbral. And magic is making its way into the world. And there's a girl that is, she has her hands on an artifact that can basically keep them at bay. And she's at risk of losing it. They're coming after her. Run for your life. Who can you trust kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's all really intriguing. However, the book has two, like I said, it's a double-edged sword where sometimes we get first issues and we say that there's not enough. Like Mm -hmm. there's not enough information. This is one of those issues where there's almost almost too much information. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of places. They actually give you a map in the beginning. Um, I guess you're supposed to reference it and mm. see where all these people are at and where the factions are and stuff like that. But since it's got like a medieval background, it's got that Game of Thrones-ish kind of thing where there's a lot of families. Mm. There's a lot of lands. There's a lot of... Um, People that uh, what's the word I'm looking for? And they they band um they band together and clans and yeah clans yeah. and you know alliances alliances oh. yes that's it. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of alliances going on, and as I was reading it, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know who that is. I don't know where that is. I don't know who you are. And the thing that I was that was holding on to it for me though was the art. Like I said, the the art is 
super cool if you like you know dreamy almost like Riley Rossmoish nightmare uh kind of stuff and the writing is kind of here and there where other characters especially the the royalty and the more medieval uh parts of the book they all talk very regally and kind of in that old english and and you know all proper For and everything sooth. right <laughs> and they're all you know they're all pretty buttoned down about the way they talk and then you have this main character who is kind of like a like a like a 19 to 20 year old street rat badass who you know talks like a sailor and just kind of mm. throws the whole vibe of it having that like medieval magic-y kind of thing and she's like well fuck this shit i'm going you know i gotta get out of the umbral damn and blah 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 and i'm like that's kind of <laughs> weird because yeah. you don't you don't sound like you're from mm-hmm. this time where this the story is happening and it's just a really really unique but really odd book um i mean if you want to check it out like i said it was only 2.99 it's certainly worth a look uh, you get a lot for your money by way of art, and there's a lot of story. Maybe it's something that I just need to read over again, or perhaps have the next issue and be able uh-huh. to start connecting could the dots. Be, could be a mystery. That yeah. Aren't. Well, it's one yeah. of those things where you know I've been hearing, I've been using the saying a lot, is that it's it's a marathon, not a race kind of thing. That sometimes you need to give a book an issue or two before you dismiss it because you could be missing out on a really good story, sure. and perhaps they were trying to give a lot of information because they have heard that people complain before. Well, I don't know who this is and I don't know what's going on. They told you all of that. It's just that now I have a gigantic cast where I've only met about five of you and there's like 16 players, Right. you know? So, you know, weird. Here and there, uh, an interesting release to say the least. I mean, this has been, you know, seen in previews and all kinds of things for a while. Um, But... Moving on to my absolute favorite, favorite book of the week. Uh, I haven't talked about a a Batman, official Scott Snyder Batman book in a while. I mean, we discussed the last issue with, you know, the big turning point Mm -hmm. for the story. But um, holy hell, (laughs) I 25 was the issue for me. I know everybody was kind of losing their shit over 24 Mm. and it was cool. But it was something that I've I've seen a thousand times just told in a different way. It's nice that they got to it. But um this i guess the second arc or the second part of Mm -hmm. this zero year i am so much more pumped for this half of the story than i was for the stuff that started out i mean Mm -hmm. it's been great all the way through and it's been enjoyable but this issue was just awesome greg capullo i swear he he gets better and better Mm -hmm. with with every issue and uh danny uh miki on the inks Mm -hmm is using some really, really powerful colors, uh, especially in the skies. Well, it would be uh, FCO. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah, FCO plus Sensia is the colorist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my mistake. Yeah. I forgot there was a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we get to see like a like an old like Roadster Batmobile. Yeah. I don't quite understand <laughs> how, how it pulls off the cool little thing that it does. Um, but this is the, this is the second time that I've actually seen Batman emit a little bit of laughter. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's the classic like, oh, we got him cornered. Oh, he did something crazy, you know. And yeah, he, yeah. He got a little smile. Um, but getting to the other stuff really quick, there's a new villain in town mm-hmm. that I mean, one is, of his oldest villains too. One of Batman's oldest villains, Doctor Death. Oh, he's been so he has been around. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. see, yeah. I not in was... the New Fifty Two yet, but he's. 
classic. Mad All right, Mad well, Mad I've I've personally have never read him before. Mm. Um, the depiction of him in this is right up my alley. Mm. I love the nightmarish. I mean, my favorite bad villains are Scarecrow and Clayface. Mm-hmm. I like the monsters. I mm. think they're a lot of fun. Um, this this guy is grotesque, <laughs> both in in execution of his crimes and murders and. His appearance is is ghastly beyond all reason. Mm. Um, but aside from all of that great stuff, my favorite part of the book is actually just one page. Bob was talking a little bit earlier about the blackout that's happening mm. during Zero Year. And I wanted to actually you know talk about this, but tell Bob as well that while the while all of this is going on, there's a full page of a moment in here where amidst all of this chaos that's going on and getting away from the cops and learning about this new villain and stuff like that, Batman during the blackout actually stops a robbery inside of a drugstore mm-hmm. and helps a mother and child and leaves them with a like bat care package to, to fend for themselves mm-hmm. in the blackout and to take care of them. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little superhero moment that he's not so busy doing all of this big, big stuff that Scott Snyder bothered to even write this tiny little bit in there to show you that he's still doing the Batman stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, stuff, the reasons why you would love him is because during this blackout, he's still looking out for the people of Gotham in his own way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's a lot of big uh, Jim Gordon stuff and, you know, furthering the start or or the, the blossoming of their friendship and relationship. And they're kind of... Uh, combatants in a way, uh, at first, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, they it's don't a vigilantes. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and Bruce Wayne's kind of a dick. But even Wayne and they, they, there's something going on with Gordon. We don't know what it is yet. Something about uh, when Bruce's parents got killed. There's something with Gordon that they, they haven't gone into yet. Right. They just hint at it here. Um, there's also and this is one of the things is they've been doing this since they we all when they started this were like oh he's just gonna worry about like the retreading of things they already done he's reinvented a few things already in this issue. Uh, there's a character at the end who mm-hmm. does something very, very out of character for that character, or at least how we know him up, up until yeah, this seriously. point. So um, it, it, that was completely by surprise, but we'll, we'll see how that, all that stuff kind of plays out. And then we get a backup with Harper Rowe, as mm-hmm. a, as a small child, like as, as, awesome. as a little girl telling her, you know, her little brother, uh, a story to help him, you know, get through the blackout because he's scared scared of the dark, um, w- which is just awesome. Uh, yeah, it's 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 great. And I'm not going to spoil who it is, but we get uh, another character from the Batverse that shows up in this, and it's got me excited because I'm wondering who else now is going to like who is he going to start mm-hmm. to to show up in the mm-hmm. first couple years of Batman, and I want to know, I want to, I really want to know how much longer Scott Snyder is going to be on this book because he's been on this since the start mm-hmm. of the DC. I just, I hope that he doesn't finish zero year and split. Mm-hmm. I really hope that he's able to, to write past that. I think he said he had said that he has plans to do more past zero year. Yes. But uh, yeah, we, we, we still have six issues of zero after something. I know, but I want him on the book forever. <laughs> um, but yeah, no great stuff. Batman 25 was awesome. Absolutely. And uh, there's people wondering the page at the end, which there's kind of a split thing going on. There's seven Gotham, and then, then you see kind of this looks like Afghanistan or or Iraq or something. These soldiers are going to find it, and they find this mysterious door on the floor, and then in the middle of the desert, and then it ends with uh, something going down. And there's a couple 
like clues or hints left behind a, a, a helmet with a name on it. And uh, you, if you check back in Batman 21 uh, and look at the Riddler's wall of stuff, you will see connections to, to this stuff that's going on. Ooh. So there you go. Yeah. Um, that's it for you, Steve? Yeah, that's it. All right, awesome. Um, I'm going to go right off of Zero Year and, and talk quickly about uh, some video game stuff. Um, uh, I think Stephanie, last time she was on the show, had said she had just beaten uh, Batman Arkham or- Origins, Batman Arkham mm-hmm. Origins, uh, and I just beat it uh, this past week and put my review up on the site at toncombooks.com. But uh, I want to talk quickly about m- my thoughts on the, the game as a whole. Um, because I know more people listen to the podcast than, than will actually uh, read the, the <laughs> review. Uh, you, you know, for me, um, uh, Arkham Origins, to put it in perspective of the whole entire series, if you're a person who's played the whole series, I think it's uh, definitely the, the weakest entry in, in the three um, the, the three games. Mm. Uh, I kind of put them in reverse order. I think it's Asylum, then City, and then, then, then Origins. Uh, the... That being said, though the game uh, the game has some terrific terrific high points. Uh, the the battle with Deathstroke, which is pretty early on in the game, I think it's the second or third b- boss fight. Seventy. Yep. Yeah. I think it's the technically the first couple of them are like non boss fight boss fights, but yeah, yeah, thereabouts. Um, I-, I personally think it's probably the best boss fight and the best probably I think encounter in any of the games uh the way it challenges you to fight differently than you're used to and it's it's a very stressful fight because you're fighting someone in context of the fiction who is as good as you at the things that you're doing and you have to fight them in in that way in, in the game and my only the only shame of it was over this my review is that it happens very early in the game it feels like it should be you know, one of the kind of ultimate definitive definitive fights. Um, instead, you're, you're the the what becomes the definitive fight of the 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 listed assassins that you end up fighting um, is Bane. You kind of fight Bane over over two separate you know scenarios, and those fights are good, but they feel more like fights I've had before in the other Arkham games. Uh, so it's not as engaging to me. And the, the so. Deathstroke one was like that was what I talked about when I was talking about it. Uh, before yeah. in which there's like several parts to it and if you die mm. at any part you need to start all over again yeah um and so it becomes very stressful and but i i love the way that that fight plays itself out um i think stephanie talked about this a little bit too uh last time but the fighting system which is you know that is batman arkham the arkham games trump card the combat system is what has made them the games that they are uh is still good here but I feel like they've shortened the window that you have to counter uh, uh, attacks without shortening the visual cue that tells you how long you have to counter oh. the, the person. So when you're fighting in the Arkham games, if you've never played them before, you know, you, you, you're attacking one guy and then another guy will come up behind you and he'll get this, I don't know how you explain it, looks like a bunch of almost like ex- like a crown of exclamation points over his head. It's like little lightning bolts. Yeah, little lightning bolts. Yeah, over their heads. And you know, okay, he means he's going to attack me. This is my window to hit the, if you're playing Xbox, the Y button and counter the uh, the attack. Um, and in this game, I feel like there were many times where I would hit the button while the thing was still up there, late in the cycle when it was up there, but still when it was it was visible, and I would, get t- I would still get hit. And uh, like... They like taunt you because like every time you miss it, they're like, 
counter, press Y. Yeah. Counter, press Y. And I'm like, I am Assad. <laughs> so that, that, that was a big issue for me there. The other issue is I, I feel like some of the things that Arkham, the Arkham games had solved about third-person action games, which is one of the biggest problems when you play a game like Devil May Cry or a game like that is you have enemies coming from you off screen that hit you when you're not ready for them to hit you. You have no chance to counter them. They just they come from off screen. Oh, Ninja lame. Gaiden is 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 the, the biggest probably purveyor of this in entire video game history. Batman had been great about that never happening, and in this game, I feel like it happens not a tremendous amount, but it does happen. And in a game that puts a tremendous um, importance on stringing together combos. Um, Getting them broken, it it, it really it, it, it messed up the whole flow of the game. Uh, so that I did not like either, obviously. Uh, and I do feel like also there's a lot of uh, times where you're in the middle of a punch. And in other Batman games, you can counter out of an action you're already in that you've committed to. In this game, you cannot. You, you, if you start an action, even if it's not one of the big actions like the ground takedown, which is a, a, a kind of a set animation, uh, you, you can get caught in an animation and get hit even though you're you're trying to counter. Huh. I actually found that a lot of the combos didn't work for me either. Oh, really? Like, it's like, yeah, it's like press this button and this button at the same time and or do this and this and then I would do it and they just didn't work. Mm. Like, they would work when initially they're like teaching you, they're like, press this! <laughs> and then like after that, I'd be like, all right, ground takedown, everyone's going down and then it's just like, uh, nah, we lied. <laughs> You spend your upgrade points for nothing, sucker. <laughs> I will say, for me personally, um, the they grade you on each fight now in this game. Um, for me personally, I know Stephanie disagrees with the scoring systems. Uh, for me personally, I feel like it made me better at the fighting system because I was constantly stressed out about seeing a bad score come up after I, I engaged in a fight. <laughs> so I would never get great at it, but I got to the point where I was doing more stuff and challenging myself to be better at it than I would in the other games because I was being graded on it. Uh, I just knew they were wrong. <laughs> I know, because you're, you're great, Stephanie, and we all, we all know. You're always a, an apex predator. So. You know what? Shut up. Uh, as far as the story stuff goes, I, I enjoyed the story aspects of the game. I, the game is sold as one thing and becomes something very, very different about halfway through the game. Um, the storyline drastically changes. And... If I were to tell you what the story changed to, you would say, oh, that sounds pretty cool. And it is a pretty cool change in story and a change in antagonist, I guess you would say. However, the it makes the first half of the game feel superfluous because what I'm doing and who I'm fighting, all of a sudden it doesn't it didn't matter anymore. Oh. And I know that probably maybe sounds uh, trivial in a video game story, but... In the Batman games, of these games have been very focused on story and have had very good stories. And the story here, its separate parts are both good, but it feels like it, it feels like we want to do something different, but we don't want to go too far away from what the other Arkham games have done. So we're gonna kind of straddle, try to straddle that line, and I feel like that's prevents it from being really, really good. Would you? I, I mentioned this. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Go ahead. Um, I mentioned this in when I was talking about it, but how did you like? And I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it, but. Um, the Harley stuff that and the the accompanying parallel story that kind of played through her um, monologue-ish. Sort of? <laughs> her like thing. Do you yeah. mean like the the gameplay thing that happens? Yes. Like, okay. Uh, yeah, I did not like that very much. <laughs> there, there's a there's a moment where well, see, this is why zero year. It's apropos of zero year because 
there's a lot of stuff in it that reminds me of Zero Year. Characters showing up who aren't quite their characters yet, um, or people who are just becoming those characters. Batman's relationship with Gordon, all this stuff. And the, you know, because you're dealing with criminals and you're ending up in the Blackgate prison, you deal with, you know, the Dr. Harleen Quinzel uh, in in the game before she's obviously the villainous uh, Harley Quinn. And there's a section where she's interrogating, or not interrogating, she's analyzing somebody and you end up playing as that person in that person's uh, fantasy, like what they're they're talking about. Their it's, delusion. It's their psychosis. Basically. Is it like their answer to the scarecrow stuff? Sort of. Um, they but have that stuff too. They in do. The, game they, the, the Mad Hatter yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, no, it's 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 a one-off s- section that is meant to I think change up the gameplay and um, give you someone to play as other than Batman. Okay. But it's it's not a it's not a section that has a challenge. You you can't lose that section. Yeah. Of, of of it it's basically a playable way to do a cutscene or do a, a backstory yeah. uh the 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 mechanics in it feel weird to me and the fact that it, you don't have to do anything I, I to get through it i think is a little bit uh it makes me i'm like why am i playing because i would much rather see one of your very pretty rendered cutscenes mm-hmm. about what we're talking about here than play through this kind of weird feeling little mini thing what did you think about Stephanie? Um, I thought like the the way that they explained those characters was interesting. Yes, you know, yeah, um, that I agree with. That you. was the part I liked. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of it, I totally one hundred percent agree. But I liked um, how Harley responded to the things that were going on. I thought it was a really interesting perspective that um, we don't often see when uh, we're talking about where Harley came from. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And. I felt what they did with all the characters story-wise, I think worked. I just think that uh, I wish it had committed to one thing or the other instead of seemingly tacking and, and, and scooping together two storylines. What did you think about the post credit stuff? The post credit sequence is very cool. There's a really cool sequence that leads to what could be a very interesting game. However, I had to wait through like a half an hour of credits yeah. to see it. And that was, that was an issue. But I will say is I think that W. The, the, the studio, uh, Warner Brothers Montreal, it's their first game. I think it's a very good first effort. It has glitches. It feels undercooked. feels like it could have used more time. But I still think that they put together a pretty good effort. Steve, you were going to ask something. I was just going to ask if you recommend playing it, buying it. What's your if, diagnosis? Yeah, I mean, listen, I the, for all the criticisms I have of the game, I'm still playing it. I've beaten it, and I'm still trying to get all the side stuff and, and play mm. through it. Uh, I still think it's a very, very good game. Um the, the main issue is that it, it feels a little bit, I said this in my review, but it feels like a cover band. You know, it's like <laughs> if it's a really, really good cover band, you know, where you leave and you go, man, they were almost as good as, as the real guys, but they're not quite as good. You'd I, s- I would honestly, oh, sorry. No, go ahead, Stephanie. I would honestly wait until the edition that they'll come out with that'll have all the DLC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they always do the Game of the, the Year game edition. Of the year edition. Yeah. 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 Um, I would wait for that because honestly, I. I kind of regret paying 60 bucks for it. Mm. Um, it wasn't worth that to me. It's not a bad game, but it's also not a day one game. Yeah. I mean, I, mm. I, I would agree with you on that. I, I would say that, the, you know, the the only thing you're getting different here, and there are some cool gadgets, and they do kind of like the, you know, kind of Zelda-ish or Mega Man-ish thing where you kind of beat a bad guy and you get their power up. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, and you get these shock gloves, which are awesome. 
um, and really, they are really awesome. change the game as far as the combat goes. That's cool. And you think, but, yourself, why didn't Batman keep this? As yeah, they, no, that's <laughs> the thing. Like that, those things contradicted the origin story to me. Yeah, th- th- that's what you were into the video games all the time. You know, where you go, why wouldn't they just keep these cool new gadgets that they that they put in this game? Meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throws them into the Gotham River. Um, and the last boss battle I'm going to put in quotes is anticlimactic because of who you're fighting, uh, which kind of sucks, but. I've come to I've come to expect that. Are and, they always from those games? Though? Yeah, I couldn't expect that in, in these games. Uh, th- listen, you're coming to it. The only thing you're going to get different than Arkham City is the story. And if you really want the story, I think it's a game you should buy uh, and and play. But if you just want those mechanics, go play Arkham City again because it, it's a better version of of this game. And you can play as Catwoman. You can. Uh, I will say though, I love there's a there's a um, sequence where you're kind of in, infiltrating the GCPD. Uh, and mm-hmm. you have to go through a bunch of very Arkham Asylum type challenges, and to me, it was the best level overall in the game. And plus, you get some young Barbara. That's also very early too. It is very early, yeah. So you well, do. All you good do. parts of the game take place like in the first. Yeah. yeah. So you recommend playing it? I do. I recommend definitely recommend playing. If you remember review, I, I de- definitely recommend playing it. Um, something I, I, with no equivocations, can recommend that you play is uh, The Wolf Among Us. The uh, the fables based game from uh, the Telltale guys who did uh, Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I played it um, over the weekend. Take it's five dollars for the first uh, episode. It takes about two oh. hours probably to oh. beat it. Wow! Um, it's like playing in a, a movie basically. Um, it's awesome. I mean, I, I ha- I've read the first I think two volumes of, of the series, so I have a general understanding of, of who these characters are. But I think regardless of that. Um, my fiance sat there and watched me play it the in- entire time, and she was very invested. And in, uh, we were making the choices uh, together. People haven't played Walking Dead or, or Wolf Among Us. It's basically a game of choices. You, you, there are some action moments where you get into fights where you have to do a little bit of um, quick time based uh, combat, but it's mostly just a murder mystery where you're making choices about what questions to ask, who to accuse, w- where to go first, you know, all of these things. You're, you're searching. your own adventure. Yeah, kind of searching oh. your adventure, searching for clues, figuring stuff out. Uh, the voice acting is spectacular. The lighting, the neon glow on everything, it, 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 it takes this, I think, cool but simple art style that they've done in both of these games and really, really enhances it because you get nice. this very noirish hard-boiled vibe uh, to the story uh, of Bigby and this um, murder that happens in Fable Town that he has to, that he has to solve. Uh, very, very cool. I the, the the first issue ends with a giant cliffhanger, which I feel like if you read the comics, you kind of know, know that it's sort of... Uh, you, you're either going to be very confused by it or you kind of know the answer already, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... Really, really great. I mean, I finished it and I wanted the next episode like that. And I also wanted to go just dive back into the books again awesome. and keep reading them. Yeah, I got to play that, especially for only five bucks. Yeah, it's it's that's a fantastic price. It's awesome. And what I've heard from a lot of people who just play video games who don't read the books is they love it. It's gotten great reviews around the, across the board. And I've heard multiple on multiple sites people saying, I want to go read the books now because nice. of, of this yeah. thing. Um, Stephanie, you played it, right? I did. And it's awesome. Like, I swear when I say anything about, <laughs> I know it's like hard for any of you who know what I do. To kind it's of your disclaimer. Like leave me. I know I have to though. Like I feel like it's weird for me to just kind of like jump into something. Yeah. I think but you're like, assuming. I think people get it. It's full yeah. disclosure. I know. It's full disclosure. But like, it's a disservice for me to just like like something when I don't. So <laughs> when I say that I really like it, I really like it. And like mm. as a gamer and a fan of the series, I enjoyed it like a lot. 
And um, the comics themselves, like the first volume, Legends in Exile, is very much a murder mystery. And um, this kind of embodies that feel of the first book where it's like, who done it? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and um, it's weird because like I've been a big fan of fables long before I was, you know, in this industry. And it's weird to see, to hear the characters have voices all mm-hmm. of a sudden. Right. Because it's, you know, and to see them on, to come to life. Um, it's kind of like, whoa. Sometimes, like, they're spot on and sometimes, like, they're never bad, but it's kind of like, oh, I wouldn't have pictured that. <laughs> but, like, it's really cool to just see it come to life. Mm-hmm. Like, Snow White's a little bit more, like, meek than I think she is in the comics. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like, um, I, I just think it's, they did such a good job. And I want to play it through again and do it with, like, different choices. Yeah, me and, too. Yeah. At the end of it, if you've played like The Walking Dead, they'll tell you what percentage of people chose the things you chose. Mm-hmm. And it's like yeah. weird because it's like 30% of the people chose the other thing. Mm-hmm. Or, like, And it's like, oh, did I make a bad life decision? <laughs> did I? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it, it's really neat. And the music really makes it, too. Oh, yeah, the music they, is awesome. Yeah. They did such a subtle soundtrack, but at the same time, it's kind of like playing you you almost feel like the whole thing's gonna start out with big b in an office you know with his feet up on his desk and then he's like and then a dame walked in yeah um it's got that synthy 80s crime oh. movie vibe to it michael man yeah, yeah michael man yeah color palette yeah. To it too. like the whole game just looks really cool yeah and initially like when the walking dead came out i wasn't a fan of that vectory kind of art i was kind of just mm. like yeah <laughs> But it's really grown on me, and it works for what they do. Like, they don't need something overly complicated for what they're doing. You know, they don't need these massive cinematic cutscenes mm-hmm. for a game that's essentially, like, a playable movie. Yeah, and it's a, it's a good art style, too, because it's still very expressive. Yeah. It, you know, they need expressive faces. They need to get across emotion um, while not having too fine a detail. So I think it does its job very well there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and what I like seeing about these characters, having read the first couple of volumes, is that I do agree with you. I think Snow White seems more meek than she is in the comics, but I feel like this game is creating kind of an arc for her to get to the point where she is at the beginning uh, of the of the actual series. Yeah. Um, and Ichabod Crane is a dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, my God. You, you'll see, like, some of the characters show up in the series later, but there's a few that are just, like, brand new to me altogether. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's interesting. Like, it's just a really good game, honestly. Yeah. And I love Bigby. I love, I love him in the, in the book and I, I, he's a great lead character. You know, yeah. yeah. I think the voice actor is named Adam Harrington, I believe. And he did a really great job with it. Yeah. I think like all the people that were involved in it, like it's from my sort of behind the scenes kind of knowledge of it, like got into the comics as research and a few of them were fans mm-hmm. i believe from my understanding i could be entirely wrong but um from my understanding they were like a couple of them were fans and then other people picked it up to work on the game and then they all got like super invested in it and were kind of like reading it and then like working on the games and you know it it became sort of a passion project to them too that's awesome so, uh the only time in the game where i felt like a real dick was when i told that little flying monkey who gets the books I told him oh, to go. Yeah. I told him to go fuck Buffkin. himself. <laughs> yeah, Buffkin's like awesome. Buffkin's um, from like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah, He's yeah, yeah. Monkeys for yeah. anyone who doesn't know, and he works in um, the office of like 
the fable town mayor and stuff. Yeah. And he basically go like runs the archives, but you see him like he's just like this alcoholic flying monkey. Yeah. And he'll be like supposed to be getting stuff, and he'll be like sitting on the bookshelves drinking from like yeah. a glass. Yeah. He's like the best. Yeah. He is. He asked me how I was doing. I told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> <laughs> It yeah, was, and sometimes you can like choose to not say anything. Yeah, the silent option is really funny sometimes because you just don't. Yeah. They just look at them, and they're like, "Okay, okay, it's it's good, it's 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 great game." Um, and it's very little time investment and very little money investment. Spend the five bucks, spend the two hours, check it out. If it is not for you, it's not for you. But I I think that if you're a fan of comics, um, even if you're not even if you don't read fables. The, the, the quality of storytelling is really, really high. You should definitely check it out. Um, really quick about books. I, I did read some books uh, this week. Just go real quick. <laughs> I want to talk quickly about Superman Wonder Woman. Just for me, I, I talked about the first issue, or I think we did, because it was Comic-Con week, so it was a little bit weird. I, don't, uh, we, we, I think we might have mentioned. I enjoyed, in passing, the, I, think, I, yeah, I enjoyed the first issue. Um, and this issue was a fun. Like it's, it's basically it's kind of like a bottle episode. It takes place. Um, they go down to... Um, Hephaestus, 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 the you know the god the who makes yeah Hephaestus, Hephaestus is uh um you know Kilm or whatever and because they need a, a weapon uh to, to fight Doomsday basically is what, what the deal is going on here and um it's just it's kind of like Superman meets the family t- type of thing and Apollo comes down and they get into some fisticuffs and it's fun it's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of fun um I realized reading this book though that i am now reading superman unchained batman superman action comics and this i'm a little burnt out on the superman i'm not gonna lie i'm a little <laughs> burnt out on the superman right now so i got to, this is i think this had the bad fortune of being the last one i had read in the last two weeks or so you know of, of these bunch of Superman books so I, I i was reading it and i was just it wasn't nothing to do with the book i was just like i don't want to be reading this it was something oh. you know, you know that, those moments and nothing to do with the book at all and I'm talking about the book now, and I think back, and I'm like, that was a lot of fun. That's but, how I felt when I read uh, X Men Marvel Knights. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even read that, but it was all right. It, it was, it's fun. The art is very nice. Um, I, 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 if I wasn't reading so many Superman books, I probably would be more enthusiastic about it. But uh, I, there's something. Just, all of a sudden, reading so much Superman, which I guess is a good thing, because I wasn't reading any like five months ago. So it, it's a good thing. I do want to talk quickly though about Unity Number One from Valiant. Um, I did a show with Adam Shaw, who's our kind of valiant guy, uh, on Comics and Coffee this past Monday. You guys can check that out. We go kind of in depth about it. Um, I don't know. Steve, did you read it? I did not. You didn't read it. Um, so Unity Number One is a, a, a valiant team-up book. It's kind of their their first superhero team-up, and it it's supposed to be a good introduction to the valiant world. And I'll say this: it definitely is. I, I definitely in, very much enjoyed it. The writing by Matt Kent and the art by Doug uh, Braithwaite is is great. Uh, it, the, the basic story is this exo man of war character is he was a visigoth who was trying to stop a roman invasion and ended up getting in the middle of an alien invasion got taken by the aliens he found this armor that this their ancient ancient armor that made him this um powerful you know being like this you know this superhuman being um and he's basically come back to earth with all these slaves all these visigoth slaves that the aliens had back to earth and he wants land he wants to they, they come back they want their country back and now it's romania or whatever and they're like i don't think so you can't just come back here and take this country <laughs> away we live here uh and so uh basically it's kind of sort of like a world incident it's it, uh, russia uh is is going to invade to stop him from doing it and he's just wiping out everybody so um this uh this guy named harada has he who's a bad guy in 
Harbinger, I believe. He's kind of like a Lex Luthor-ish uh, type of character. Here is the um, protagonist. He's putting together a team to try to stop um, the, the the invasion and stop the Exo Man of War from, from doing what he's doing and killing people. Uh, he puts together a team... There's a there's a twist in the book which is very funny and very entertaining which I'm not going to spoil but he he's putting together a team of like Eternal Warrior, um, another character who I don't know who Adam mentioned her name she's in, she's in the very end of the book I don't know who she is yet really a very powerful uh, psychic and Ninjak who is a cyborg ninja uh, good combination awesome <laughs> and that he's definitely the standout character of this book if you I've never read anything with Ninjak I've never I've read very little Valiant. But he is a standout character in this book. Very, very cool. Um, likable immediately. And from what I gather about the Valley Universe, it puts an interesting spin on Exo Man of War, who is, the, who is the hero in his book. And here is sort of painted as the antagonist. Um, kind of just doing what he thinks is right, but ends up being something that's going to cost people their lives. Uh, it's a very cool setup. You know, I there are still some confusing moments where I don't know who characters are and... Uh, we talked about this, I think, last week or the week before about that, that part of your brain that's struggling to say, like, I must be missing something. Um, but overall, it's a really, really great issue. It's something I definitely want to check out. It makes me want to read Exo Man of War now, go back and read that. Um, so I think it, it definitely has done its job. Um, you know, I feel like Quantum and Woody, um, it, it, well, very good, and I really enjoyed that book. It's not a good gateway into the Valiant Universe because it feels very separate feels like very much its own thing this is deep in there and so it makes me want to check out the other stuff um so i really really liked it um i don't know see did you did you pick it up at all or did no i didn't it was um i mean matt kent being Mm -hmm. on it attracts me but uh i wasn't sure you know what it is and i'm this is gonna sound so silly i'm afraid to jump onto another publisher Hmm. in certain ways i mean we all we buy a lot of comics. I mean, we we do get some, you know, some digital copies and here and there, but I mean, we pay week in and week out for mm. for books and I feel like exactly what happened that you you liked it. Mm. Uh, that if I do like it, that it's going to it's going to spiral out into me <laughs> going, I read Harbinger. I read the first arc of Harbinger and I really 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 enjoyed it. Mm. Up until they I felt like I kind of I burned myself out because I read you know, I mean, reading an arc isn't mm. so bad, but I read the whole thing and I was dancing on whether or not I was going to continue with it. And then they introduced a character that I didn't care for at all. Mm. And it was kind of the, you know, the nail in the coffin right. that got me off the book. Um, that being said, though, if you like it and it's, you know, it's going to be hanging around the shop and it's something that I can just jump onto if I hear in another one or two issues that it's continuing to develop into this cool, you know, all encompassing world. And Mm -hmm. I can actually get a feel for the Valiant universe through this title. Then I'll probably check it out. Cause Mm -hmm. I am curious about their stuff. Um, I just, there's something about the presentation of their characters and their, their character designs that don't speak to me necessarily, but that does, excuse me. I have (laughs) Twix in my mouth. (laughs) Or in my throat, rather. Um, I'm not entirely opposed that if I am exposed to it and end up liking it, that I would adapt to it and and start to check more of it out. Uh, it's just a matter of trying to keep my my costs down and the the frightening notion of jumping <laughs> onto another publisher, which right. is not fair mm-hmm. uh, entirely. But unfortunately, 
you know, these are my dollars going mm-hmm. out, and I right now I'm kind of sticking with what I know. Mm-hmm. So just for Christmas's sake. <laughs> It makes sense. I'm actually make absolutely makes sense. Um, but very enjoyable. Um, excited to check out the next issue. And I have the first couple issues of Exo Manovore already, so I'm going to check those out uh, as well and, and see if it's something that I want to, to keep reading. Um, we're going to take a, a little bit of a break. That's it for the book of the week. And then we'll come back, uh, talk about some news, and do a couple of listener questions. We are back. I'm here to talk about a little bit of news, do a little listener questions, and then then get out of here uh, before the uh, the sun rises. Um, <laughs> um, <We're> pirates. <laughs> uh, I want to start off the segment. We're gonna, a, a story that's been developing for a long time here um, between uh, Brian Wood and Tess Fowler kind of came to a head this past week, and we hear you know. All the information that you need to know about that situation is out there, and we'll put links to the different varying stories into her blog, to Tess Fowler's blog, about what happened um, between her and Brian Wood, and you know her stance. Um, what we can offer is, which would just be um, pontificating on other people's words and it's too serious situation for us to really do that. This isn't like, oh, Superman broke somebody's neck in a movie. This is like yeah. real life stuff spoilers everybody um for that uh <laughs> sorry about that we'll all condemn what seems to have happened Ye- yes and, i mean we'll leave it at that yes but yeah. yeah but to get into we we're not experts in this at all and i i don't want to get into any sort of piece that she said business at all for anything but and also we're not experts in this stuff at all but bob did reach out or was reached out to by a friend of the show and um someone who does have a little bit more qualification to speak about stuff like this. And so Bob, why don't you um, first say who Carolyn is again and then read what sure. she told you. It's Professor Carolyn Coco, who's a political science professor at uh, Old Westbury College here in New York, also teaches gender studies, writes on this extensively, was just on Steve's book club for Killing Joke mm-hmm. and was on with our Wonder Woman podcast. So mm-hmm. we were just chatting about this and she has this quote. It is yet another situation in which the woman coming forward gets attacked, and that points to a culture that supports gender... Uh, oh, boy. Gender-based inequalities in all sorts of forms, sometimes on purpose and sometimes out of not seeing them. When men hold the majority of positions of power in political, academic, and social arenas, that means that heterosexual interaction within these arenas are overladen with power differentials. People need to think about these inequalities before they harp on an individual who comes forward with a story that illuminates these inequalities, inequalities that Mr. Wood himself may or may not have been aware of or thinking about. So, I mean, that's all we're, we're really going to talk about um, here. If you guys want to know about the story, obviously go to the links and, and, and check that out. It's a very serious story um, and one that needs to be addressed but isn't meant to be addressed in a short-form way. Um, on a podcast. So, um, moving on f- from that into from real life stuff to the most superfluous uh, of things, sales numbers. Um, 
So the uh, Comicron uh, put out their monthly uh, story with the the sales estimates and uh, highlighted, obviously, by the number one book being um, the first of the all-out war storyline in The Walking Dead, issue 115, sold 310,000 copies, um, making it a giant seller, as all of these kind of event uh, Walking Deads are. Obviously, a, lot it had of a, co- mil- a lot million of covers. covers. Um, and you can see, it, obviously, it's one of the best-selling books every month, regardless, but it's one of those books that when an event happens and there's a bunch of covers, people scoop up those covers very, very quickly. Uh, we saw this, obviously, with the issue 100 um, uh, over a year ago. Of which I still have my entire pack. <laughs> I wonder what the actual customer number was. Was it 150, 160? Everyone yeah. bought one or one and a half or two? Maybe, or? yeah. Because um, I'm sure there was more people buying it than they usually do anyway. Yes. Because of an event, usually it's around the 70,000 number. So maybe it got up to 90,000 or something like that, a regular sales. So maybe people are buying even more than two mm-hmm. covers. But some people are buying a bunch of covers trying to sell them. No, people don't do that. Yeah, the usual. Um, but still, it's amazing that that, that the book sells yes. th- those numbers. Um, uh, Batman, uh, number 24, uh, 124,000 copies. Most of all because it was six ninety nine, So that's double the price that it usually is. Um, and it still sold those numbers. Number three was Infinity, number four, 113,000. Uh, Forever Evil, number two, at 112,000. Infinity, number five, at 106,000. Justice League number 24, 98,000. Uh, Superman Wonder Woman, which we talked about earlier, number one at 94,000, almost 95,000. Uh, coming at number eight, Sandman Overture, uh, 93,000 amazing copies. Uh, amazing, amazing numbers for a Vertigo book. Uh, unbelievable. Um, and wait, where? Okay, and the next two are filled by Superior Spider Man, 20 and 19, 85 and 83,000. Um, and then. Stop going about numbers, but there, there's Batman Superman still holding very strong. All new X Men, JLA, Uncanny X Men, uh, Battle of the Atom number two, X Men, a lot of X Men books in the, in yeah. the, filling out the top 15. Um, two Avengers books and then two Guardians of the Galaxy book. Crazy that those two sets of franchises are right next to each other. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a big big month uh, uh, for for the books. Um, Bob, you mentioned that there was a Fearless Defenders bump. I don't see it here. Do you have the numbers? Uh, it's up 17% to 18,500. Wow. So that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a good bump. Um, that's too that's late. Awesome. <laughs> it's too late, obviously. For, the, for this edition of this book. Right. It, absolutely. Uh, but those characters may be um, you know, mm-hmm. showing up in other books for, for many years to come. Uh, Rocket Girl number one, we've talked about, uh, 20,000. Nice number. Uh, from Image, absolutely. Um, Image had a couple very nice uh, debuts. Um, we, uh, the, two, the, the two new um, Vertigo series, other two new Vertigo series, Coffin Hill and Hinterkind, both came in around 21,000, uh, which are, are good numbers. Yeah. Uh, nice to for, see Vertigo back on. We were yeah, I know. shoveling dirt on their grave a year ago. <laughs> and now they're, they're back uh, very, uh, very strong. Uh, Velvet, which you mentioned, um, which I now lost. My, my brain doesn't. Oh, Pretty Deadly uh, came in at 45. Mm-hmm thousand uh lots of uh, uh velvet forty one thousand so very very big numbers uh for the image the new image number one saga so holding strong fifty four thousand uh the star wars continues to sell very very well fifty six thousand um you know it's a it's a diverse uh diverse market with obviously i, I it look it's it's funny because the the number one spot taken up by a, a independent uh book and then the next bunch taken up by the the usual suspects uh i mean salmon overture it surprised me how much it sold i thought it was gonna sell a lot i didn't expect to see a ninety three thousand number no, i'd but. have told you high 50s mm-hmm. would, have, would have been a great number too right yeah 
And uh, how many new Sandman readers? I wonder. That'd be that'd be the interesting probably a good the amount. hype over all these years has said, well, I need to get on this. It's a number one. Probably a good amount. Um, the top three hundred comics sold seven point seven six million copies, up five percent um, f- uh, from last year, three percent from five years ago, up five uh, percent from ten years ago, and up ten percent versus same month fifteen years ago. Um, so it's to to date. Um, They've sold 71.29 uh, million copies of uh, comic books uh, in the year. Um, and all comics units sold by Diamond and Units up 8.69%. Uh, so very, very big. Very, very big. Um, in, the, in the category of trades, which I can find real quick, uh, Batman Volume 3, uh, Death of the Family, was number one with 12,000. Uh, the Wartime, the Avengers Endless Wartime, the original graphic novel, uh, number two, uh, the collection of the other Death of Family books, Joker, Death of Family, uh, 8,000. <clears> Another Batman book, Court of the Owls. And the Court of Owls with a mask uh, sold very, very mm. well, uh, around 8,000. Avatar, Last Airbender, Hellboy, Midnight Circus, which Stephanie has brought up. Um, it's so good. <laughs> Another Batman volume, Batman volume two, The City of Owls um, is on there. Uh, Lazarus volume one uh, is at number eight. Uh, selling pretty much, the trade pretty much sold as much as the book sells in a, in a month. Um, mm. Which is, I think, promising for that series. Uh, and then uh, running out of the top ten is Saga Volume One and Volume Two. Uh, so obviously, trades big, huge for Image. Um, and is, for is Walking Bush. Dead number one on there again? It's not. No, Batman's <gasps> number one. There actually isn't a Walking Dead in the top ten. Ooh, um, upset. Yeah, times they are a changing. Yeah, there's a lot of Batman in the top ten. There's one, two, three, four Batman books in the top ten. Damn right. Um, so big, big time of the sales. Um. Bob, do you have any comments on the sales? Well, we touched on it briefly mm-hmm. uh, the last time regarding what Villains Month oh, yes. would, would would not mm-hmm. do to sales moving forward. For that month in September, DC did 40% of the dollars and 45% of the unit sales. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, as we talked about, they printed twice as many books as everybody else because of two covers and so on and so forth. They are actually, they're slightly ahead in October where they were in August. Mm-hmm. So there's a slight bump, but I mean, it is really slight. It went from mm-hmm. 30% to 31%. Mm-hmm. And on units, from 33 to 33.15. Mm-hmm. So nothing mm-hmm. really, but they made an extra lot of money, just they as they did. said at the retailer breakfast. They yeah. made a lot of money in September for, they did. for folks. They did. But it didn't really carry over because you don't have the same characters, creative teams, or titles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see what the rest of the year and the rest of their events, what zero year, what these crossovers do. Mm-hmm. They did have DC had the most uh, books in the top three hundred. They had eighty eight books, followed by Marvel seventy seven. Um, yeah, I think Marvel was top heavy. Did twelve in the top twenty. Yeah, but then drifted away in the middle. Yeah, uh, it's an image. Uh, obviously, uh, the dollar share is um, you know Marvel and DC on top, and image, but image very close to ten percent. Wow. Uh, of the dollar share and over 11% of the unit share uh, for the month. So it's huge. I mean, that's huge, huge numbers considering how much money Marvel and DC make. The image making that much amount of money is really, really cool uh, and awesome. Very and nice. So many individual series, too, with them. Yeah. That's what's really amazing. Yeah. It's an across the board sort of thing. They're so diverse. A mm-hmm. little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it all sort of adds up. Yeah. I mean, they have Walking Dead to fall back on and Saga, obviously, but there's a ton of new books. In there, which is, is very, very cool. But I would like to mention that the movement is at number <laughs> 240, down 17% to 9.1. You people are missing the boat. It's a really good book that will now be canceled. Buy it in trade paperback. 
and you'll see what you missed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, mentions the Sandman Overture, 93,000 copies. Uh, when we did the podcast, uh, we, 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 I think I asked Melissa, I said, do you think it's going to be on time? She said, yeah. Uh, Neil Gaiman's usually pretty reliable. Uh, this week we found <laughs> out that the book is coming out, second year's not coming out until February. February um, 26th. <laughs> <laughs> so the, It's just, March, basically. Just, just barely. Uh, Neil said, I understand your disappointment and sympathize. J.H. Williams and I are both really sorry about the delay. It's unprofessional and it's mostly due to the giant signing tour I was on from June and me not getting script written on the tour with knock-on effects. We're hoping it'll be the only delay, though. Um, 70. So does, uh, does this kind of delay for uh, Sandman make you say, like, I should just pick up the trade when, when it's all said and done? Um, not necessarily. It just gives me time to catch up on the other traits that I haven't mm, read yet. There you go. Good so, I mean, mm. it is what it is. There's delays. Things happen. Um, is it going to change the fact that as soon as it comes back, we're all going to be like, oh my god, let's go read this. <laughs> no. No. I bet you anything, like, everyone's just going to be like, that's all anyone's going to be able to talk about when it comes out, and that's that. It mm. sucks for people who are, like, way into it, like, Everyone who reads comics, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Maybe they should just announce it as a quarterly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, With uh, the change of the season, yeah. there was another Sandman. Mm-hmm. So, Steve, what do you think about this? I'm I'm with Stephanie. Mm. It's all good, honestly. Um, I mean, it was a little it was a little silly at mm. first. I'll admit that when I heard February, it was kind of like, yep. <laughs> but um, you know, whatever. I I can't. I still haven't read the first Sandman series, so I really have nothing to complain about that. If I need to get a Sandman fix in between now and February 26th, I could probably go and find those other books. Yeah, true. Uh, not to mention the library worth of stuff that I have to read anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and you know what? It's it's one book. There's so many books out there to enjoy and you know what? I would rather them. It's just like video game delays. I would rather them delay it and take their time with it and craft a better game, or in this case, a better not in, not even a better comic, but just have it be what they want it to be when it's ready and when it's ready for everyone else. Than for them to rush it and do all kinds of crazy stuff to try and get it out. It will it will come to us eventually, and I have no doubt it will be just as awesome as if it was coming out today. Right. So, mm-hmm. them is my thoughts. Bob's got, Bob's got a just, smile on his Bob's head. got a face let, on. Let me just say that if this were anybody else and any other book, we'd be tearing him a new one. <laughs> three months late? How could you solicit this book a mm-hmm. year out and then be three months late? Mm-hmm. If you've seen what Sandman looks like and how many words are stuffed into it, mm-hmm. it's reasonable that this could be late if he's slightly behind. Mm-hmm. This is not a regular comic book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's well, apologized. Fair, yeah. Most publishers do try and have like three issues before they even announce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'll ask him on Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Neil, come on. What the hell? What's the deal, man? <laughs> come on our show and talk about it. Just, yeah. just send it to me. Yeah. Send it to your old buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a shame, and I, be right, Bob. But people love Neil Gaiman, including me. So I, it's tough to uh, get upset about that kind of thing. Um. Yeah, I, they're not going to wait to announce it because to when they have three issues in the can right. because it's Neil Gaiman and it's J.H. Williams and it's Sandman. Um, look, it's going to be just as good, like you guys are saying, in February. It's just a shame that 
we already talked about the fact that it might have read better in trade, but we were going to have to keep on it because of how beautiful it was. And now this long gap is disappointing. However, Steve is right. It gives you a chance to go back and read the stuff you hadn't read yet. Yeah. Um, so see, see now for me, I was going to wait for the trade. Mm-hmm. I think I will now buy that first issue. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there you because go. I I don't want to wait to right. a year from now yeah. to read the thing. So. Honestly, I haven't, and this was their plan all along, Bob. <laughs> it could be just for it's me. All, it's just Bob for me, all your it. fault. Yeah. It's all Bob's fault, everyone. Get Bob Ryder to buy issue one. Well, what can we do? But it'll come out in February. <laughs> He'll have to read it then. <laughs> yes, yeah, you guys should be careful. I start talking about stuff; it gets canceled. Yeah. Remember that. Well, that's true. This might be the the bo- only Bob Ryder proof book. Yeah. Yeah. Sandman number two was fantastic, and then <laughs> that's it. It sold 3,000 copies. Yeah. Um, the next podcast, like, well. <laughs> so a little bit of news came out this week as well. Um, Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, uh, the Broadway musical, is closing. Oh, no. Um, right after Gene Simmons. dying and getting hurt. Yeah. Well, nobody died. Come on. <laughs> Broken legs. Yeah. Somebody did die, didn't they? No, not during the show. Wasn't it during the rehearsal somebody died? I think somebody died. Some broke their back. <laughs> somebody got really, really seriously injured. I don't think somebody died. I could be wrong about that. Maybe I heard premature news. Urban I'm gonna, legend. I'm gonna read it. Um, yeah. <laughs> somebody died. I'm pretty sure somebody <laughs> died too. Okay, well let's not let's not kill somebody before you know Well, <laughs> oh, I mean we're not killing somebody. We're just saying that, you know, they're already dead. <laughs> Death web swings into <laughs> Sorry. Oh, a, there's... I don't mean to make jokes if somebody actually Terrible. did die, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, there was a news item this week that Gene Simmons was apparently offered the role of the Green Goblin. Oh, really? Yeah. It was in the Daily News Sunday. Wow. I could picture that. Could you imagine if his tongue and Miley Cyrus's tongue came together and as had a one baby. tongue? That would be frightening. Truly, truly frightening. Uh, Spider-Man Turn of the Dark is closing um, after a few years open. Uh, it was a successful show. I mean, it, it would, for a while, grossing a million dollars a week. However, it... Costs one point two million dollars a week to produce, so um, it became uh, in- untenable for them to keep open as the ticket sales started to go down. They, however, are going to reopen it in Las Vegas as kind of a Vegas oh, that's a great show. Idea. Put share in it or something. Yeah, I mean, I saw the show uh, earlier this year, and it has a lot of problems. So it has a lot of problems, but they do some. They did some pretty spectacular stuff as far as the. Um, uh, the way they portrayed the Spider-Man stuff and the swinging, and um, there was a uh, especially one where he's kind of getting his powers and he's crawling around his bedroom that, that was very very impressive uh, visually. And then there's times where you, you don't understand why they did anything that they did. <laughs> they still have the shoe goddess or whatever it is. The shoe. There's no. some spider god no, that sp- like yeah, shoes Arachne. or something. The Green Goblin still look like, a, look like a peacock. Yes, he does. Ah. Yeah, it's very <laughs> strange. There's a lot of strange decisions. Um, the guy also kind of like. It's also kind of like talk like this, like hello, uh, you know, Spider Man. Yeah, exactly. But he was, it was kind of a southern drawl to him as well. It was oh, very good God. strange. Yeah, southern queens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> southern Norman Osborn. You get bitten uh, by a spider now. Yeah. Now here they're going to put the King Kong musical into that theater. That would make sense. It's built for it. I mean, yeah. that theater is very, very impressive. Um, another bad decision of a musical, probably. Yeah, I want to see Kong sing. <laughs> uh, standing on top of the Empire State Building with Ann Darrow and yeah. just break into, I don't know. New o- York, o- New Oklahoma, York. Yeah, no, Oklahoma, maybe. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I actually know the guy who plays drums for the pit in a Batman, a Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's it was an interesting idea, and it's cool. I think Vegas is, 
after seeing it, Vegas is probably like, the best place it could possibly be for it because it, f- it feels like a Vegas show. Uh, it feels like Batman and Robin <laughs> made into a you know, that, oh, like that style, the way it looks. You know, it has a very over the top theatrical look. Um, I saw a supercut of Batman and Robin mm-hmm. a couple of days ago, and it just man, that movie's terrible. Mm-hmm. All the 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 bat ass and bat crotch and bat nipples and mm-hmm. credit uh, bat credit cards and skates. It's so it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. Yeah, it is very very bad. Hopefully something will be better in the Batman verse. Um, if you guys get Harley Quinn number zero um, this week, or you saw on the internet the uh, piece of art from Batman Eternal, which is going to be the weekly Batman series launching uh, next year, uh, came out, and it's a big uh, kind of mishmash of uh, different Batman characters. It's got Batwing, it's got Catwoman, Catwoman has got Professor Pig. It's you know it's got Batwoman, it's got Batgirl, it's got Red Hood, it's got Titus, it's got Red Robin. Um, and then there's a character in a purple hooded sweatshirt uh, with her back turned to the camera, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. And you, you, can't, you cannot see her face. Um, the rumor is that it's going to be spoiler. Um, the, the character spoiler, not I'm about to spoil spoiler. Yeah, yeah, it's spoiler. Spoiler. It's spoiler. Um, Stephanie, that must make you excited. Yes, it does. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell. Yes, it does. Oh, my God. Waffles. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think we really talked too much about this either because it happened during Comic Con. But the even announcement of the the weekly Batman series uh, with Scott Center kind of show running it with a bunch of different writers, hmm. um, Jason Fabuk, uh being the main artist that we know of right now, who's been doing Detective uh, with John Layman for a while now. Uh, Steve, what do you think about a weekly uh, Batman series? Um, honestly, I don't know. I don't know because I I've tried to jump onto some of the other Bat books um, aside from Batman and Robin or Batman and and whatever the hell they're gonna fill it with uh, this month. Uh, that book I love, absolutely love. Uh, some months even more so than Scott Snyder's Batman. But um, just like the Legends of the Dark Knight, I I got the first maybe the first three, and then didn't bother with the rest of them. Uh, the Batman Black and White has been kind of a, a miss for me. It, some one story is cool, and then the other two are kind of meh. And um, I don't know. It's one of those. How much is it going to cost? If it's going to come out every week, how much is that going to add to my to my totals for the month? And who's going to be on it? I mean, they they put Scott Snyder's name at the forefront of it, of course. And if he's spearheading it, that's fantastic. But really, what is it going to amount to? It's one of those things where I'll have to pick up the first issue, of course, and and see if it really hits the mark. If it does, I would absolutely love to have it be a part of the collection because mm-hmm. I, I love Batman. And while I'm saying that, one of the series that I would love to go back to is actually Dark Knight when Greg Hurwitz came back on. He did that Scarecrow arc, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. But then I stopped picking it up after that once he went on to the Mad Hatter which I'm very interested in. And then he did Clayface after that. So that's a, that's a series I might have to go back to. If any of our listeners have the lowdown on that and you've been enjoying it, um, please uh, either write to me or tweet at me. I'm uh, at dead underscore anchors on Twitter and tell me what you think of it because um, I'm on the fence. If you can get me over to one side or the other, I would appreciate it. Uh, as far as a weekly book goes, uh, yes and no. May, may, give me a bat book that I, I need to be buying every week and I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I mean, the idea of it is that Scott Snyder, it, they, they, they pitch it as kind of like a television show, that Scott Snyder is kind of the executive producer, head writer, you know, like a Joss Whedon or an Aaron Sorkin or, mm-hmm. or something like that. And then there's a team of writers underneath him that break the stories week to week and, and write the issues. Um, I mean, Bob, you're not a regular Batman reader as it is. Um, but what do you think of the idea, just the idea of a weekly comic? Well, they did it with action years mm-hmm. ago. Turns into what character is going to be spotlighted. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it'll be Batman and mm-hmm. or his supporting cast will be highlighted because there's just so much Batman mm-hmm. given. Who's on it? Who's drawing it? Mm-hmm. Is each individual issue, uh, is it going to be an arc per month, an mm-hmm. arc per three? Will it intersect with events? Mm-hmm force you to buy the thing right i think it's an issue by issue decision mm-hmm. on these sort of things that's the way action was for me there was black canary for a few issues oh i'll buy some right. of those and yeah. then i'll go off and do something else is strictly batman or are we definitely moving around a bit what's um, so for the uh plan? the vibe is i think it's gonna be very more i think it, what the vibe i get is it's going to be obviously batman focused but more focused on his supporting cast okay um they've talked about uh you know Dick being a big, uh, big player in it, and Tim, uh, Red Robin being a big player, and obviously Stephanie Brown and Batwoman, Batgirl, all these characters being getting kind of forefront uh, chances uh, in their own in their own stories. Pick sounds like a pick and choose to me. Right, play it like a cafeteria and <laughs> dip in when you feel like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the idea is cool. You know, I know DC has done this in the past uh, a, a few times. Obviously, uh, Fifty Two. What was one of those a, a mm-hmm. book a, a book a month a book a week? Sorry for fifty two weeks. Wednesday comics. Yeah, Wednesday comics. Um, I know they want to do more of them. There's been rumors about them wanting to do a Superman one and all these other things. For, sure, do some Justice League for a while. Um, you know, Batman is a great book, and uh, the the supporting cast, although a lot of them have their own books, I feel like to have them directly under the stewardship of the person who has been doing the best work uh, for me in, in that um, in that whole milieu of, of characters gives me hope you know that he, you know if he can get those characters under his reins and maybe bring some of them back uh either who haven't been there at all or who have been maybe mistreated a little bit to the places where they were before that excites me um you know i'm definitely gonna read the tim whatever the stuff with tim i'll definitely read the stephanie brown stuff um if there's great barbara stuff in there i'll definitely read that stuff too so you know we'll, we'll have to see how it checks out but i think the idea of it excites me because i i want to I want to read about those characters, but I don't necessarily want, don't necessarily like some of the creative teams or want to invest heavily in a month to month could go on forever mm-hmm. book uh, where this, I, I would assume is not going to go on. I mean, I would assume a year is probably a good, a good uh, tenant sure. for, for, the, for this book. Um, but again, it's all about quality. If it's not good, I'm not going to buy it just because it's a Batman book. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. You know, give yeah. me, give me a reason to buy yeah. it every week and I'll buy it. Now, what I am hoping is if they reintroduce Stephanie, they will also then put that second trade paperback back in print so I don't have to spend $100 because now <laughs> I have the first one and the third one and I'm not buying used library copies with writing and pages torn out for $40 on the internet. <laughs> so, or you could ask our lovely listeners, you know, if you have anything in mind for Bob Christmas. Christmas is coming up. <laughs> I mean, it's not worth anybody spending $40 on, but that is, that is a lovely thought, Stephanie. Or if you happen to have a spare copy because, you know, that's what we do. We collect. We are collecting people. Yeah. <laughs> we, we are, are hunter, hunter gatherers and collectors. Yeah, I'm just here. putting it out there. We are collecting people. Um, <laughs> My address is <laughs> Stephanie. What do you think about a weekly Batman series? Um, I don't know how I feel about that. Like you guys said, 
It'd be one of those things where it'd have to be worth it. Mm-hmm. I think that more or less sums it up. It would just kind of be something that it. I would have to be invested in the characters and the story. It couldn't just be one or the other. Like, just put that much time into it. It would have to be, like, fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that because it comes out every week, you can pick and choose. Like, if you if you see one on the shelf that week, that it's a character that, you know, eh, I don't really need to, you know, I don't need a, a Professor Pig story, mm-hmm. but you want, you know, uh, a spoiler. Like, what? how are they going to reintroduce her into the universe? You want to pick that one up. Right. So, yeah. who knows? I want a spoiler misfit crossover. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, that's it for news. Let's hop out of news, and we'll go to some listener uh, questions here. Um this is uh, Antonio Canales, and he says, how does the cast feel about purchasing used graphic novels via half-price books, etc., with no money uh, going to the creators per resale? Steve? I am perfectly fine with that. <laughs> uh, and I'll tell you why. Every time that I go, what? <laughs> it's just the way you phrase <laughs> no, it. No, it's just like, I'm perfectly fine with that. And, and let me tell you why. <laughs> as, I, as I get up on my soapbox. <laughs> <and, laughs> Um, I know, it was kind of like you were going to stop, but then it was like, nope. Yeah. You need to get comfortable. Like my dad, like, he's patting the kid on yeah. the head. Here's why, son. <laughs> Here's Johnny. Why. Yeah. Sit down. <laughs> Let me tell you a little story. Mm. Um, every time that I go to uh, visit my girlfriend in uh, London, Ontario, I visit a shop called uh, Heroes. And one of the, one of my, actually not one of, my favorite aspect, uh, the people are great, but one of the things that the store does is it has an entire section that spans the entire length of the store. Every publisher, I mean, everything that you can imagine comic book wise, they have discounted uh, trades and hardcovers and wrapped hardcovers and trade-ins from people. Um, they even have one section that every every book that's on that shelf is three ninety nine, and it's you know it's entire things. Sometimes there's even an omnibus sitting there that's three ninety nine. I mean I can't believe it. I don't have the luggage space to bring them home, but they are there. Um, there's a lot of stores like that in Ontario. Yeah, I mean there's 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 a couple here. There's maybe like one, but they don't they don't replenish the stock like whenever i go there there's forever new stuff every every time i go in there every month or so they have fresh you know picks and new books and stuff like that that are sitting there i've gotten a lot of great books uh from that yeah, particular we have a ton section of them. like we've got a great one in hamilton called big b comics nice and then there's like a couple right in the city as well right um but what i'll say about this as far as buying used i know the money doesn't go directly towards the creator and that's a shame but what it does do, what buying the books at that price uh, does for me is it exposes me to more stories from people that I know, from artists that I know. Like I just picked up Snow Angel by Curtis Weeb. I'd never even heard of him writing that. Uh, I picked up something called Faker. I got like an old uh, Rick Remender and Francis Francovella uh, thing called Sorrow. Like I picked up all of these oddball stories that I never knew that any of these artists or writers had done on the cheap. And now not only am I enjoying more stories from them, but it also affords me the opportunity to try out um, artists and writers that I don't know. And I'm more likely to take a, a gamble on it if the price is reduced and I get, you know, I, I don't have to spend nineteen ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine uh, for a brand new copy. I can try it. And if I wind up liking that artist or book, I can then move on to their current work and then, you know, purchase things from them that are that are happening now mm. it's i look at it as not only a discount for me since i do spend so much money on books otherwise 
but it's also a, a gateway to other creators and other comics and even other labels. Mm-hmm. Um, I've picked up plenty of things from publishers I've never even heard of before, mm-hmm. and the books have been great. Yeah. Uh, Bob, what about you? I may be wrong in this, so shoot me if I am, but <laughs> I <laughs> believe that the money generated for creators comes from the distributor level, not the retail level. Mm-hmm. So it's how many books got sold by Image mm-hmm. or DC to Diamond, Mm-hmm. And then whatever else transpires is between the retailer and the customer, and the the, the, the royalty rate is not going to get driven backwards through how many s- the store sells. Mm-hmm. It's how many get sold to the distributors. That's right. with the whole pre-order number. Mm-hmm. So in essence, the person who's not making money is the store that overordered and couldn't send it back, and then sold it off in bulk to someone else, mm-hmm. or the distributor who then had to sell it off. If they have some sort of negotiating rights with the publisher they may get something out of it. So I don't feel, as you do, Steve, though I have a different reason, I feel nothing bad about buying stuff from ABE Books Mm. or Amazon Second Sellers and saving $10. And in the same way then, I bought, okay, one Stephanie Brown trade cheaply and Mm. then bought another one at real price at the store the other day. Mm. And so, okay, got a bargain once, paid a little more the second Mm. time. It all adds up. It all ends up with nice publicity and wonderful promotion for the book in question. Yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 mm. I, I have a, this, this the prickly issue with people going, crusading against the used markets because, look, you bought something, you own it, and you, don't, and you have every right within your legal bounds to do whatever you want with that piece of merchandise that you now own. Um, it's your right to sell it back to someone. It's your right to sell it to a store. Um, you know, sort of breaking copyright law. You can do whatever you want with it. So, look, they, you only have the responsibility of buying it once, and then the person who's buying it used. I mean, this is the way that's the way that it works. Books have always worked that way. Music, movies, video games. It's just the way of the world when it comes it comes to media. Hey, comics has been a back issue. Yeah. Thing for how many years? And those back issues came from somebody's collection yeah, for abso- the most part. Absolutely. I mean, Stephanie, what do you think? I think it's perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I go to conventions, I spend enough there on prints and books that aren't in the stores that I don't feel guilty whatsoever about buying things secondhand. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like, there are things that I want to own that I can't afford to pay like $200 for, mm-hmm. but my used bookstore has the Martini collection of Parker on sale for $20, where it's 200 yep. brand new. Right. Like, I'm sorry. But that's funny. I got that same thing for the same price that you just mentioned. The big Parker set. I got that. Yeah. At BMV. It's like really great. Yeah. It was, uh, it was at heroes for 20 bucks. Mm. Yeah. See, we have like a giant bookstore in Toronto that has like a ton of comics, but anyways, that's irrelevant. <laughs> um, well, it's not really irrelevant. It's like a large portion of where I get my used stuff, mm-hmm. but like, I don't feel guilty because you know, either way it's Matt. Oops. Sorry. Matt fraction. When he was on the show, he was talking about people who pirated his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about how he took like a survey and it was just like an honest survey of people who like illegally got his stuff. And it was like, all right, for real, I'm not out to like prosecute you or find out, you know, which one of you has been like ripping me off, but straight up just for my own purposes, which one of you pirated my stuff to read it? either like hated it and just like didn't do anything with it or loved it and like went and bought a copy. And he think he said like nine out of 10 people wound up going and buying it anyways. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's kind of sort of off topic, but 
at the same time, my point being with that in mind is it brings people <clears throat> to other things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if they go back and read Casanova by Matt Fraction and they're like, shit, I bought this for like five dollars mm -hmm. at like my used bookstore. It's so great. Oh, my God. What else is he doing when they go to a comic book store? Like what stuff that he has new? They're going to be like, check out Sex Criminals. Mm -hmm. And there you go. There's someone buying his comics every month. Right. Like, it, it comes back full circle. And I don't think that used, like, I'm sure there are some stores that do do less than, you know, legal ways of getting their books. And, like, they go around and find loopholes yep. for finding discounts mm -hmm. with wholesale stuff. Um, I'm sure that they people cheat the system. And it's a little unfair to local comic shops that, you know, do pay full price and get stuck with stock that people don't buy. There are things like that that exist that aren't fair, but to somebody who doesn't have a, you know, money tree, <laughs> um, it's, I mean, I'm sorry, like, I love to support all of my local comic shops and buy new, but sometimes you, you can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the truth is, too, like, you know, this is what economics and a market is for it's mm -hmm. you know you, it's not your job as a consumer like we don't live in a, in a nirvana you know it, it, the nirvana would be like if matt fraction wrote a book you really liked you'd hand matt fraction four dollars for that book but that's not how it works you know so you need to if you want to read something i'm not i would never say to steal it i'm saying that but if you can get it with legal means which is you go buy right. a used book it's perfectly legal and perfectly acceptable and it's part of the market like we were saying you know the video game analogy um, I bought Halo 1 used from GameStop. I bought every single Halo game from then on new the first week they came out because of how much I loved that first game. And that will happen with the same thing with books. So, And that company still made their money on yeah. the first Halo. Someone bought yeah. it in the store exactly. for real. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Well, think about word of mouth. Like, mm. if you, if you mm. purchased a used book and you loved it, you absolutely loved it. I mean, for us, we have a show. You know, I mean, a, a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, back in the beginning, we were doing the whole off the beaten path mm. thing. I those were books for used things and whatever. Right. Yeah, but yeah. um, you know, when you when you get a book, regardless of how you obtained it and you loved it and you tell people about it, you turn people onto that title. It's going to branch out to other people making the purchase as well mm -hmm. and seeking it out in their own means, and that just means more exposure for the book, more exposure for the for the creators. And it's it's a win, no matter no matter how you slice it. Absolutely. Um, this, this is from George Alexander. He said, a lot of people talk about how DC doesn't really have many fun books in their main line. So if you guys can make a fun book at DC, what characters would you use? Personally, I think a fun Doom Patrol book would be awesome. I would like a serious Doom Patrol book, <laughs> but, but that has had so many incarnations mm -hmm. over the years. Right. It can be fun. Giffen's was quirky and weird mm. and, and funny. Grant Morrison's not quite so funny right. as you can yeah. imagine. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying this to Steve. Right now, they're using a character in the back of their books mm -hmm. in those stupid Channel oh, yeah, 52 yeah. things. Keith Giffen's Ambush Bug was one of the funniest characters they had, and it was a very deadpool break-the-fourth-wall, mm. very into comics history. I'd love to see that mm -hmm. as a... Not even a background character, but mm. I mean a real book. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing Metamorpho come back. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't be bad. Metal Men would be nice. You could yeah. have fun with those sort of characters. Have them be a little more all ages. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's Booster Gold. It's great. Booster Gold yeah. would be perfect. I, love, I would love, love to see that. 
Any mm-hmm. fun characters at DC you want to see? Oh, my book's already coming out. Uh, Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, today. My my book, my dream book hits hits uh, uh, sales floors today. Um, I can't really think of anyone in one, the though. D. All of my characters are Bat characters. Mm. Uh, Bat might could be fun. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I'd, I'd, no, I, you know what? I would love to see, um, I think about uh, Tim Sale's When in Rome mm-hmm. uh, for Catwoman. I'd love to see a fun Catwoman book mm. of her just thievery and and espionage and quips and you know cat scratches mm-hmm. and landing in giant uh trucks filled with cat litter mm-hmm. oh, and, and cat puns and cat puns exactly yes. and cat puns meow, meow. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i would love i would love to see a fun Catwoman book what about you stephanie um i think it's along the same lines as steve like i know like i always kind of bring up the female like comics and i mean it I read a little bit of everything, and I'm not like, but I would love to see like Gotham Girls, like the Birds oh. of Prey. I've talked about this before. The Birds of Prey TV show was not good in any way, shape, or form. Um, but <laughs> on the DVD extras, they had these little flash series. Uh, mm-hmm. This flash series called Gotham Girls, and um, it featured Harley, Poison Ivy, and Catwoman, and sometimes Batgirl, and it would like focus on the shenanigans that they got into. But it was the original animators, I. Or, Maybe not the animators, but it was like original voices and stuff, and it was really cool. It was really really fun. These like two three minute shorts, and I think they're actually available on the Warner Brothers website, like in the archives. Oh. Um, but <laughs> I would love to see a fun series based on them. Mm. Also um, available do, on the like, Birds of Prey box set. Yeah. And um, if you're familiar with Mike Myhack, um, who's an artist who did like My Catastic Four picture, and he does like the Cat Avengers. And I'm not looking for a cat book, I swear. <laughs> um, but my point being is he does uh, a Supergirl, Batgirl comic um, that always pops up whenever he does a new one. It goes mm. like viral because everyone loves it. But like the latest one was a Halloween one. Um, and he does these great stories, kind of like JL8, how it's mm. not officially sanctioned, but it's there and people love it. So DC doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love... For that and like even jail eight to become a real series yeah what is this fellow's no. website because oh. i want to look at that uh, i know it's I mike my hack i don't know his exact oh, DC, uh, website m-i-h-a-k his, sorry it's m-a-i and then hack h-a-c-k start again <laughs> one more Pardon time it? star i uh, lost you there oh okay sorry it's m uh my hack oh god now i'm like questioning <laughs> it my hack i have to like write it down mike my my hack oh god oh god now i can't spell it my brain <laughs> m-a-i and then h-a-c-k okay all right Thank we got you. it like and it all listeners time. now will get it it was a it's a good viral marketing for him <laughs> <laughs> yeah there mike my hack his website is cowshell.com all right there you go that would have been much easier s-h-e-l-l.com h-e double hockey sticks yep We'll talk yeah. about birds of prey later. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, Bob hates you now. Bob and I actually watched. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bob, Bob and I watched the first uh, episode. Mm. Was it the pilot? Mm-hmm. We watched the pilot um, Sunday night after the book awful. club. Oh yeah. I wouldn't say it was all the way awful. It's <laughs> the the sound the soundtrack was. I I'm not even going to bother. But um, you, there are. There are story beats of it that are are actually quite okay. 
but there there was a little bit of it that I I did not care for. Yeah. Okay. Did you see all of it? No, I saw okay. all the pilot, but I didn't see the whole series. <laughs> okay, I watched all of it, so I'm allowed to judge. <laughs> and like, it's not like okay, whatever. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about later. We're gonna get off on a tangent about Birds of Prey. Um, <laughs> Um, so I'm going to point this towards Bob here. Damien Patrick Wims on Facebook says, does anybody else in the world like my favorite character, the Sentry? We're talking about the Fantastic, I have no, Four, I have no Fantastic Four number 64, <laughs> you know, the, the Kree robot Sentry. I'm guessing because I have no, no I qualifying. Think, I think he's talking about the, what's his name, Robert, whatever it is, the supposed first Marvel hero. Oh, okay. That they he appeared before the Fantastic Four and mm. in the late fifties, and they brought him Robert Reynolds. Okay, Robert, why did that come into my I head? I don't know. It was an interesting idea that just never really went anywhere. He had it seemed like a huge power set; he could do anything. He was there, Superman. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And then was the void. He became evil, and that had to be separated out. And I think introduced any. A more normal way mm-hmm. instead of pretending it was something else might have helped people because I don't think it, as Damon's saying, mm-hmm. he loved it and mm-hmm. nearly nobody else did. <laughs> I thought it was a neat idea launched poorly. Mm. I've never even heard of it, so obviously I do not have an opinion yeah. here, uh, but I knew that Bob would have heard. The one it. from Fantastic Four number 64 was very good. Okay. That's but, the Cree Sentry you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. But I know who that Cree is. Cree Sentry 459 reporting. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> um, so Stephanie, I'm gonna I'm gonna point this uh, towards you. Brian Frederick says, "What are you guys hoping for with Jeff Parker taking over Aquaman soon? I love the Jeff Johns run, but I think Jeff Parker can do a lot with the character. Just want to know your thoughts." Um, I think it's awesome. I'm, I mean, from everything that I've read of Jeff Parker's stuff, I've loved it. I can't think of one thing where I've been like, even, meh, it's okay. <laughs> like I've straight up loved everything that he's done. Um, Jeff Johns as Aquaman has obviously been something that I'm really enjoying. We've talked about it numerous times and how you know i never would have thought that like a few years ago if you'd been like you are gonna love aquaman i'd be like ah, bullshit <laughs> but i do and um i think it's important that writers switch up frequently and i not frequently you know but like every 20 issues or so it switches up and it gives the character a chance to have a new voice and a new story being told and sometimes obviously it sucks um, but with that being said, I think Jeff Parker is definitely someone who will do it justice and it'll, I think it'll be phenomenal. Mm. I'm interested to see where he'll take it and how long he'll be on it. And yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Um, I just hope it's good. That's all. That's all. <laughs> I, I mean, I like Jeff Parker a lot, but it's one of those things where you, the only Aquaman I know that I really like was written by Jeff Johns, and like I've had a long history with the character. I've seen writers come and go, and I've seen it go up and down, and all those other things. I think. Sorry, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I think the major problem with Aquaman prior to this is he wasn't taken seriously, and he didn't have a proper um, established story that people could be like, "Wow, he's awesome." Mm-hmm. He's been made fun of for so long, and I think. Jeff Johns really got that out of the way with what he's set up for the character. So, um, I mean, I don't think Jeff Parker could undo that unless he's like, nah, he ducked the fish. <laughs> Which I don't think is going to happen. No. Exactly, exactly. And that's like, I think by taking away what Johns built that gives Aquaman credibility is the only way he could make it bad. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I mean, Bob, you don't read Aquaman. You've read you've read many of the issues, though. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, there's a long run of nothing between Peter David yeah. and Jeff Johns. Yeah. You know, in Peter David's era, there was quite a bit of wow. He redeemed Aquaman and yeah. gave him a beard and the hook and yeah. the harpoon, rather. Yeah. And actually, Peter did a. He wrote the DC Marvel mm-hmm. crossover. Aquaman beat the Submariner. All right. And on that fight by dropping a sperm whale on his head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just what one panel of. Boink, gets it over, and Aquaman just walked away. Perfect. It's like a mic drop. Exactly, a whale drop in this case. Parker's Parker's Dark Avengers was Mm. absolutely great. Mm. Red She-Hulk was pretty special. I can't imagine him fouling it up. Mm. He does care for these oddball characters, and Aquaman is an oddball character. Absolutely he is. Absolutely he is. Um, does it make you more interested in picking it up to that Jeff Parker's I try. It? I try one. I read mm-hmm. you lent me all yeah. the Aquamans yeah. and I really enjoyed them. Yeah. I, because as Parker, I would certainly try one. Cool. Awesome. Steve, I know you You just caught up. You, you, you oh, yeah, how I'm, much you loved it. I love Aquaman. Yeah. I even bought the Funko figure. <laughs> awesome. The special that's, edition. That's awesome. He's got not just like the regular uh, scaled shirt, but like the gold nice. version. Ooh. It's nice. shiny. Sparkles. And, and Is there a mirror? No, there is not. <sighs> but I did happen to get my uh, Harley Quinn Funko Pop nice. as well. And I actually have a quick question for Stephanie that I could probably ask her off air. Did you by any chance send a Nintendo 3DS uh, Ariel's Undersea Adventure to my house? No, but I answered you on Twitter. And did I was you? like, I didn't send it, but I will take it. <laughs> Somebody, I got this in the mail today. The UPS guy came and I ordered strange attractors for my friend James mm-hmm. for his birthday this weekend. And I'm like, oh, cool. It's already here. Mm-hmm. And I go and I pick up the package and I rip it open. And I'm like, this is really light. This is not a book. And <laughs> I, I look. definitely take it. <laughs> and it's a, it's a Toys R Us Ariel's Undersea Adventure for the Nintendo 3DS. Yep. I, that I. <laughs> I did not buy this game. I don't know why the hell it wound up in my... It might have been my sister ordering it uh, by accident, but I don't know. If it does not get claimed by, by my nieces, Stephanie, you're more than welcome to have it. What? No, I already claimed it before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even tell them about it. I heard her say it. Exactly. Oh, baloney, Steve. What? <laughs> What an Indian girl! I'll, tra- I'll, I'll trade it. I'll trade you for it for my uh, my Scotty Young variants. How about that? Yeah. All right. Your 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 nieces are gonna have a bad holiday. Oh, they're gonna have a <laughs> fine holiday. Are you kidding me? Oh, Bobby, stop it! Who I got are you on? stealing <laughs> toys from children. <laughs> They've already got Stupid plenty Bobby. of gifts under the tree from Uncle exactly. Steve. We'll just call her Look Mrs. It. Potter. <laughs> it's called Life Lessons. <laughs> Allah, uh, uh, uncle doesn't take children. any shit. Yeah. You better behave, or the strange girl from Canada is going to steal your toys. Yeah. <laughs> I can dress up as something terrifying yeah. if that helps, like Rob Ford. You won't have to make much of an effort. My uh, my niece Dominique is a straight up Frady cat. I'm going to break uh, her of that one day. Burn. Yeah. Um, Ooh. Straight up Frady cat. Um, Champ. Bob. <laughs> Donnie has a question that only I think you can answer. Oh, are boy. there any? It's not. It's not a really in-depth one. Oh, okay. Um, are there any documentaries about EC Comics? I don't recall there ever being one. Hmm. I'm gonna say that probably means there isn't one. <laughs> Is somewhere on a Tales from the Crypt television season mm-hmm. a little bit about EC? But I don't remember ever being a PBS or a Sci-Fi Channel or one of those sort of mm-hmm. deals. No. Hmm. There was a 
book last year or the year before that I bought for a friend for Christmas that was, I think it was called The Horror, The Horror, which was a bunch of 50s horror comics. And inside was a DVD of a sort of public service television documentary from the 50s about Dr. Wortham and how kids were reading horror comics and then tying up their friends and killing them in the woods and all sorts of mm -hmm. stupid stuff like that. But yep. it really wasn't about EC. Superheroes that was just out just briefly touches on it and they actually show you Bill Gaines on the stand oh, yeah? in front of Congress making a mess of things. Mm -hmm. But not, not ever a straight... You should make one. Exactly. Donnie there should make one. There you go, Donnie. Make one. Kickstarter. Um, uh, this is a more in-depth question for, for you, Bob. This is from Ryan Carroll. What's going on here? What is it? Um, Bob Test Day. Yes, for Bob. I'm did not... does Secret Wars match up with the hype it's accumulated since the 80s? Did it did it have merit as an event back then? Yes, it did, and you got venom out of it in essence. Mm -hmm. And the thing went and stayed on that planet for a year, and that's where you get the She Hulk and the Fantastic Four. Is it a great series? No, it's groundbreaking. Mm -hmm. Some fun stuff. You get to see the Hulk hold up an entire mountain to stop superheroes from getting crushed, which I thought was beyond his power level. But you'd have to ask Jim Shooter. I guess he mm -hmm. didn't, didn't read the handbook. Does it live up to its hype? No. You're going to look at it as being somewhat silly 30 years out. And it's got the Beyonder, which is a problem. <laughs> Contest of Champions was more fun, which is a whole lot of fighting and, mm. and jazz like that. And there's a Secret Wars 2 you should avoid at all costs. <laughs> Just do not even look. Don't soil your eyes. <laughs> if you can get them cheaply or you get the trade for next to nothing, it's worth seeing a lot of heroes and a lot of villains and a lot of hubbub. Mm-hmm. He's saying that he's still waiting for storylines to wrap up now that were started or something in yeah. the Secret Wars. So it's not great. Yeah, it's good. Mm -hmm. There's very few. Look, the Galactus trilogy is worth the hype. <laughs> you know, Watchmen is worth the hype. Right. Yeah. The Killing Joke is actually worth the hype at a certain level, which mm -hmm. we talked about the other day. Oh, so if awesome. only, if only just to fight about it and mm -hmm. argue and whatever. Right. Secret Wars, not so much. Right. <laughs> no. Um. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> this is from uh, this is from Johnny McDonald. He sent us an email, um, and he said, uh, which you can do at a podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. He said, uh, with the success of the Batman Arkham games, which we talked about, which comic book series would you like to see get a video game with the same quality of product as the Arkham games? See if oh, eyes became wide. Does that mean you need a second, or did you want to answer? Well, I mean, can they make a Superman game? Yeah. That, mm. Yeah, I mean, let's try to give Superman a proper video game mm. that doesn't suck entirely. Yeah. Um, I am going to say I'd like a Suicide Squad book. Ah, uh, book. Ah, <laughs> uh, we already have that. I'd like a Suicide Squad game. You should uh, look at the after credit sequence of Batman Arkham Origins. Whoa! <laughs> Spoiler! Now, uh, yeah, no, okay, that's cool. You know, it's funny, now that you say that, I think I actually heard something about that. Uh, I think that's I think a fa I said it on the show. Oh, yeah. so it was you. <laughs> um, I think it's a fantastic idea. I would love to... Uh, just the premise of... Suicide Squad, I think, would make an awesome game. Mm. I don't know if I would be a huge fan of them putting a time limit on my being able to complete tasks, seeing as there's a bomb <laughs> embedded in your head. <laughs> but um, if they can work around that and come up with a really cool and have uh, like Amanda Waller be the Nick Fury slash like you really she 
really dances between being a villain and being, you know, not necessarily a hero, Mm -hmm. but just an organizer of things for the better. Mm -hmm. But she always seems to have another something going on. Mm -hmm. I think there could be some really, if they got some good writers, I think it could be a solid series, not to mention the fact that you would get to play extensively as some really badass characters, including Harley Quinn. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I have a good one. Go ahead, Stephanie. I think an awesome, um, there could be an awesome Black Widow franchise um, and do it sort of like Call of Duty-esque. Like, um, you know, it Call could of be Duty. part be, like... Be more like Metal Gear. I'm thinking yeah, uh, Fear, uh, fear Effect. Yeah. But like, it could totally be part shoot 'em up Yeah, part, yeah. Like, you have to be stealthy. Um, or you could do it like Crisis, like where you have several ways you can tackle mm-hmm. certain tasks where, you know... It throws up. It's like if you go here, you do it stealthily. If you go in, mm. you're just like balls to the wall. Um, balls and... to the wall. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, you know, hmm. otherwise, or you could do it like sniper, or just I don't know. Yeah. I think that could be really cool. It's like mixing up, um, you know, something lacking female characters in video games and comics, and kind of throwing it into like a really cool premise. Um, you know, that could work as a franchise. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of the the uh, less powered characters are more, maybe a little bit more um, easy to to execute. Like something like Green Arrow would probably be a pretty cool character to do. Um, you can do stuff on the island, which would be sort of like the new, newest Tomb Raider game with bad hair, and then do it and in, go into the in the city stuff and, and be more hand to hand and have cool gadgets and, and do a bunch of uh, really fun stuff. I think, but honestly, I think for me, the character in mind would be Daredevil. I think that you could do an yeah, awesome like Arkham style game with Daredevil. That power set, with the senses and the everything. The senses, yeah, using those senses, uh, almost th- that's like your gadget, almost like your gadgets are, are those range of senses. Um, think it'd be really, really awesome. Wouldn't the the first? I mean, if you did it third person, perhaps mm. it could work. But I think if you did first person and to always be no, you can do a first person. Yeah, I was gonna say blind. <laughs> Yeah. Just well, I just black. that that rate that radar sense that like you know cost uh, a lot less to make. Yeah, yeah. You know, purple, red hue, or yeah. whatever it is that style would yeah. get. You know, you yeah. wouldn't be able to. Yeah, absolutely. Do a whole you game. You could also do like a really cool all star western one. Yeah, that could be, that could be cool. a little of a. That's a Bob has one. I Bob have has one. one. See, I would have suggested as you're talking about lesser powered heroes, mm. what they're going to do with those Netflix series to yeah. do a Defenders sort of thing. Yeah. But they. All the superhero games seem to end up with all of them on the page anyway. Yeah, yeah. So even though I don't really read this book because I didn't really like some of what they did with the new 52, I think a Justice League Dark game, a oh, whole yeah. mystical Ooh, yeah. dark horror game could yeah. be interesting. A lot of, there's a lot of different power sets there as well. That could be cool. Yeah, a lot of cool different stuff. You could, you could, you could also... Sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh, no, 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 you finish. No, no, I was going to say, you can also, using all those different characters, like you can have different environments, like Swamp Thing has a very different environment than... You know, mm-hmm. John Constantine mm-hmm. or Zatanna, and then they all have different Dead powers. Man. Dead Man. Dead Man would be awesome. Yeah. It'd be like Geist, right? Yeah like, like, yeah, yeah, like like possessing characters, yeah, getting yeah, them to do stuff. Like, op- like, you know, you have to get past security, so yeah. Dead Man's going to jump inside the dude and, yeah. do the, and open up the gate. Yeah. It could be an awesome game, too. You could also open up like a multiplayer because you could do co op in the missions Ooh. or play it by yourself. So much gold on this show. I know. You could totally do a cool <laughs> Animal Man one, too. Yeah. Like, there's just so many different. Like, that would be awesome. You could be like, oh, you could unlock. The power of the cheetah. <laughs> like, and you can have Steve's song as the theme. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that'd just be really fun to She's be like, able to yeah, be like, no. You can only, it'd be kind of a bit like um, Arkham, Arkham City and such, where it's like, 
you can go back and play different levels because you need certain like uh, characters or animals to get into different spots. Yeah. Well, you have to go to the zoo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think and if you do it right, I mean, like Steve was saying, being Superman it deserves definitely a game. It, you have to have some really talented designers to make the game work because of his unlimited power sets because you can't, you can't hamstring him. You can't do it. You can't make, oh, it's Superman, but he can only fly this high and he can only go this fast and if he gets hit this many times, he's dead, you know? Funny thing is, like, the Lego Batman game, the second game with that Superman is the only game that's ever done Superman right because you can fly as high as you want to. Yeah. You, oh. You're invincible. Like you, can't, you, can't, you can't die. Um, it's, it's, you know, that, that's what you need to do. Um, and, look, the, 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 the character I feel like they've always almost gotten right but never quite, like, nailed is Spider-Man. Like, he mm-hmm. has some of the, the better superhero games. They just never are really great. Um, and he's a character I think you could really do pretty easily if you get the right open world and the right uh, design team and the right combat system and stuff like that. I think you can put together a really, really good game. Well, would a Guardians <laughs> game work? It, it might, yeah. It'd be cool. Uh, Mass, Mass Effect, Effect Guardians yeah. game, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what always bothered me about Spider-Man games is when you're webbing through the city, it is the most fun that you'll have while playing the game. Yeah. But where the hell is he webbing to? <laughs> He's just, it's midair. Yeah. There's nothing there. Yeah. What, is there a whole bunch of flagpoles we can't sure, see? It's Manhattan. Yeah, it's Manhattan. Come on. Gargoyles. There's always a building in Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the ang- I never thought of that when I was playing the games because there's always something yeah. that the angle, it was like latching though. onto, like all the buildings and stuff. Yeah. He always shoots straight up. It's always maddening. It's but obviously that it's so maddening in Arkham Origins because there's there's less points to grapple on. I feel like he's like scared to grapple on certain ledges in that game. Oh, that looks fragile. <laughs> yeah, to make it difficult to get up places. Where's OSHA? Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was a really great question. Thank you very much for that one. Um. We'll close out the the questions with this one. This is from Michael. He says, "I wonder what you guys think." Oop, my iPad just went dark. Um, I wonder. Um, I wonder if you guys think restarting a series with new number one issues really helps new readers as far as accessibility goes. As a longtime comic reader, I'm not fond of the practice. I think it's jump just as off-putting to keep track of the many volumes each series encompasses now, as the industry seems to think high number runs are off-putting to new readers. When I started buying comics, I bought Uncanny X-Men number 224, which is right in the middle of an event crossover, and I had no idea what was going on, but I loved it and went back to the drugstore for the next issue and the next. I was happy to find my way through the X-Universe until I was familiar with it. Am I just am I just being stodgy, or do other people have an issue with these soft reboots, or whatever they're called? Um, by the way, I still love the stories, and I'm happy to be a comics collector. It's a good time for us. But I miss the sense of continuity the big number uh, stories give. Bob, uh, why don't you go... This is James? This is uh, Michael. Michael, I was close. Yeah. That was close. <laughs> yeah, very close. It's a name. It's a boy's name. <laughs> Michael, I agree as one of those stodgy people. I loved wherever I happened to be and then running backwards and having sets and the rest of it. I don't think there were as many committed readers as there were in that era where it you felt a need to complete or a need to understand what was going on with, through the footnotes or for asking somebody else, it's all or nothing now. And if starting these things over gets new readers to a books and keeps some titles going that need to be going, and if that number one boosts the book 50%, 60%, keeps good stuff going, it is, it is a mess. And I can't imagine what the Overstreet Price Guide is going to look like 15 years from now when each year's got a volume and they can't sort it out. And mm-hmm. even now, when we're, Steve's covers of the week. I go to pick covers out, and you go to Marvel Wikia, and there's all the information for who wrote and draw and lettered and so on and so forth. You can look back through their entire history. You have to know 
to write mm-hmm. Fantastic Four Volume 7, mm-hmm. number three, because mm-hmm. otherwise, 14 things come up. And what issue is this now? I can't sort it out. So I know exactly what he's saying. Mm-hmm. I wish things were the old way, <laughs> but they're not. And mm-hmm. uh, let's just hope that, for instance, oh, you know, Daredevil will get relaunched mm-hmm. and a book that's got so much critical attention or Captain Marvel goes from selling 30,000 to selling 50,000 yeah. the way it deserves. Mm-hmm. If it takes me being a little aggravated and I get to keep reading the book, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take the aggravation. Right. I mean, Stephanie, when we talked about Libba's at New York Comic Con, you, you seem to be a little bit annoyed by the, the renumbering of the book so quickly. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a system that worked for how many years? So I realized, like, as a new reader, and especially when I was getting back into comics, how intimidating it could be. But it still didn't stop me from buying things. You know, like, and trying to get through it and figuring things out. Um, Because the only thing that really ever stopped me from wanting to be a collector and jumping back on games was snobby comic book store employees. Mm -hmm. Like, it's never the numbering. It's the way that the books are presented to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're going to renumber it, you know, then keep renumbering it. Do arcs, like do one to five, volume one. One to five, volume two. Don't keep on like going to seventeen and be like, start over, Mulligan. <laughs> like, no, stop that. Like, make a decision. You're either going to keep on doing them like in volumes, one to five or whatever, or you're gonna like just do one to three hundred and thirty nine. Mm-hmm. Like, just pick a system and stick with it. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. That's yeah. One like, or the other, yeah. Yeah, I mean, consistency is the issue <laughs> here. Definitely. I mean, I, I think we talked about this and about the volumes and stuff like that. I think that if they did 12 issues back to one, like every year you did a different volume, mm-hmm. I think that would work and you could do it by year. You're like, mm-hmm. this is the 2011 yeah, volume. January to December. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I still think that would be partially not like in their favor because it's not an arcs. Like, cause well, it could be though. Isn't an arc. You could make it an arc if you if yeah. you if you programmed it that way. There's nothing you couldn't say that a, if a writer knew they had 12 issues to tell their story, they would tell that arc in 12 issues. I don't know, cause like then it gets to be like filler, like Lost. It's just like TV shows that have too many episodes that have too many things. But that but comics. But I'm not saying it has to be one 12 issue arc. I, I know, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just hypothetically like saying. But you're. But I mean, it's not like books usually end at issue 12 anyway. Usually they no. go longer than that. You you, you and you you have to do one way here. There's not more filler in 12 issues than there is in 333. You know, so. Yeah, but I'm saying like Bird. To, to somebody who's newly picking it up, a year's worth like picking up issue 10. Is still intimidating. Well, yes. Whereas if you do it in like one to five, it's less intimidating. Be like, oh, I only have to go back. I started at four. I only mm. need to get one, two, and three. Well, yeah. I mean, I understand that. I'm just saying, like, as far as you know, kind of picking a system and going with yeah. it and, and making you know, something work. Right. Um, I look. I, I'll say this a million times. This show would not exist without a reboot of a universe. I would not be reading comics right now if it wasn't for what DC did with the the new Fifty Two. So. Um, I understand, and as someone who has been collecting now for a couple of years, I understand the, like, oh, what am I supposed to do with this now? You know, kind of feeling. Like, I even feel that about, like, Superior Spider-Man next to Amazing Spider-Man. I'm like, I don't want them to be next to each other, but my freaking weird, uh, you know, brain is I can't put S next to A. It doesn't make any sense. Um, so, that's stuff. Spider-Man colon. Yeah. Amazing Superior. I gotta make, like, a Spider-Man box. and then, yes, then, exactly. then I okay. just have my Superior right behind where Amazing ended. Ah, uh, okay. See that's the way to go with it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like 
that um, categorizing, th- that headache aside, I feel like, like Bob was saying, if it gets more people to read a certain book, then I'm, I'm, I can take the annoyance uh, of it. It doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much. I will say that I think the way that Marvel is doing th- this all new Marvel now thing, I think is backwards and yeah. a little bit is very confusing. Point and, now. Yeah, you have to ask. Like mean? I asked Rob what it meant, and he was like, "I'm, I don't, I'm not really sure." Yeah. <laughs> you know, so th- when your comic shop owner or you know worker or the guy who is the guy who knows everything about this stuff doesn't know, then it becomes a little bit of an issue. So I think they're handling it oddly. Either renumber them all or just. Um, don't try to do this weird, it's renumbered, but not really renumbered, you know, type of thing. Because they're releasing two issues of it. Mm-hmm. One that has a regular numbering, one that has a new number one on it. It's very confusing. Um, but I do feel like restarting these things, like something like Secret Avengers, they're restarting it. New team, and they're putting it back number one. That's a book that uh, uh, the sales dipped and maybe would have been gone and if it got to issue 17, they would just want to cancel it. So let it restart. You know, I like the idea of what they're doing with um, what Hopeless is doing with the Avengers Arena thing, it, it was set to end anyway, and he's doing something new that's sort of in the same vein. Just, the, you know, again, so he'll do a year of it, and then it'll stop again, and then it will go on again. I think those ideas with the set idea of doing is good, but like Stephanie said, I think you have to be consistent because that's comics' biggest issue is its consistency across the board. People are not used to that. People are used to TV. It's 24 episodes. It goes from this time to this time. I buy season one on DVD. I have everything I need to know about season one. With comics, it's like I... What issue twenty seven to thirty two, but then it goes over to this other book issue yeah. five to seven. Then it's this. So there's a lot. There's a big issue with consistency. That briefly, I I, won't, I don't want to like draw this out anymore. Mm. But like, that brings me to Marvel's other like fucked up numbering system. Like they recently came out with the Thor season one trade, and they have the Doctor Strange season one mm-hmm. things. And yeah, what are you doing, Marvel? <laughs> You're not a TV show. It's not a season. <laughs> yeah. It's a book, yeah. aka a volume. Yeah. I think it's a, they, they just didn't want to call it year one because they didn't want to get into like the weird. Right. The and I guess they borrowed it from the Buffy and Angel in yeah. Smallville. A yeah. Freaking season. Yeah, I know. Um, Steve, what do you what do you think about the numbering stuff? <laughs> so much has already been said. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Sh- really not sure how much more I could add to this. Well, what do you think about it? I mean, what do you, do you care about them changing the numbering? Not really. No. Okay. Um, what are your feelings? Tell us how you feel <laughs> with your emotions. <laughs> no, I, uh, I mean, it bothers me. It bothers me for, I think, for other people. I think it bothers me for maybe the more casual comic book reader as opposed to, like, I, I didn't read comics or I read one or two comics for years. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't paying attention didn't like not even on my radar Mm -hmm. whatever movie whatever shitty movie at the time was coming out was all i had to be connected to the comic book universe but now that i'm you know entrenched in it that every every day i pick up a comic book at least once if not several times throughout the day Mm -hmm. um it's an effort it's an effort to pay attention to numberings it's an effort to pay attention to crossovers and books and things like that i mean we've said it a couple times on the show um, I might be varying off the topic, but I wish that we had more miniseries as opposed to all this crazy numberings thing that if somebody has a story to tell, just tell me a story. Mm-hmm. Come out with a trade. Write it. Get an artist. Work on it. If it takes a while for it to come out, so be it. Mm-hmm. You know, come out with something. Kelly Sue DeConnick and Felipe Andre present Captain Marvel, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you get it, and it's six issues worth of a story, and now you have this badass book, and you didn't have to maybe like because it's all collected, you didn't lose writers, uh, readers on issues three or four because they couldn't make it to the shop, mm-hmm. or they uh, lost interest because the story maybe there was a um, issue that meandered for a bit and it lost a couple of people, and they didn't have that that next issue that got back on track. They wouldn't stick around for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as numbering goes, number ones, whether we whether we enjoy them or not, uh, are gateway comics. No matter how you slice it, that number one says something to people that tells you if you start from here, you'll have at least a leg up on on starting a story that you can follow. You might not have everything. But with this number one, we're going to try to pack as much information into this one issue to at least start you off on this story and this character. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is good for the industry, whether it's good for our brains and Mm -hmm. our our tolerance of these things and them jumping around so much. No, I don't. Mm -hmm. But until they they reset everything and they stick with it, like if Marvel is going to do this point now crap, do it, do it the one time. And stick to it. Mm. Don't change it up again because the trends are, are what, whatever they are. Believe in your product and just put the damn books out. Mm-hmm. You know, people will figure it out. They don't give people enough credit, mm-hmm. I don't think. Maybe, yeah. Absolutely. You know, we I, not to go on and on. I could probably talk about this for a while, but like we... Everything is so fast nowadays. The way we get our information, the way we read our stuff. People are reading comics on their phones now and stuff like that. I think that if we had a more cohesive way of distributing these things that at least with comics, we can get everyone on the same page, so to speak, it would be nice. But like I said, they're, they're at least a year out from doing that. Mm -hmm. Anyone really. Absolutely. Um, and get off my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Old man yells at cloud. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, I, I I did want to give, I forgot to talk about this in the news section and, and I talked about it a little bit on, two shows already so i don't want to talk too much more about it but um the sf back hit stuff that happened over the weekend oh, so awesome great. um so cool. i just wanted to live you know if bob steve 71 to chime in about it bob i don't just amazing when you think that the whole world is all screwed up mm. you see something like that between make a wish and, and the mm. people of san francisco and the, the various municipalities and and the agencies and an entire city just embraced what was going on it's just beautiful just absolutely amazing yeah absolutely some faith in humanity restoring shit there it is Absolutely. very much is um i so thought it was tears <laughs> i thought it was wonderful i uh it was a it was a ugly day on the internet that day uh there was a lot of stuff going around the brian wood stuff was being talked mm. about a lot mm. rob ford mm. dominating and uh not to mention i mean fires disasters mm. storms on the way all these things and all these terrible terrible things going on in the world and then lo and behold all of a sudden, this SF Bat Kid thing hashtag was. I'm mm. like, what the hell is this? Mm. And I go and I look, and I'm like, there's the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Like, but that, but who is that? Mm-hmm. Like, what are they doing? And then I kind of started to follow along. I saw a trend over the next like half hour. Mm. I was like, what are they doing? And I went and I looked, and Make a Wish turned San Francisco into Gotham mm-hmm. for a day for a for a kid. And I mean, what a dream come true. Mm for for the little boy and i mean for i'm sure all involved Mm. the the picture of him rescuing the woman with the bomb strapped to her i mean oh my god yeah it was amazing yeah it was absolutely amazing Mm. i really hope that kid like pulls through because like 
for real. That's like the best story to have with you forever. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing story. And the the picture of him with his little brother dressed as Robin is like the cutest, most heartbreaking thing I've ever I think I've ever seen if in my life. If you guys didn't cry, like you were seriously dead inside. <laughs> like um, yeah, the blackest pits of hell, kind of dead. <laughs> Um, and just a little aside, uh, several years ago, just to, to put a one up, not that people don't already love the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, I was actually approached by the Make-A-Wish Foundation at one point in my life because I had uh, blood poisoning uh, for quite a while. And while I did not qualify entirely for their Make-A-Wish, they did pull some strings and managed to get me backstage to a concert that I wanted to meet mm-hmm. uh, the band members. Nice yes. Spice Girls. Yes, all right, the secret is out. <laughs> it was not the Spice Girls. It was something a little bit harder than, you know, Zig Zig Ah and all that stuff. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys. But, um, <laughs> in sync. They, uh, they did, they, they oh, were. Hansen. It was yeah. Hansen. It's on the block. I'm just saying, they, it's a wonderful foundation. Yeah, and and in, in my people. case, they were good on their word in a sense of that since they couldn't go whole hog, they pulled some strings for me once I was out of the hospital and they made something happen for me uh, back in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. That is a day that I won't forget. Mm-hmm. And it's is just that a, a hint as to what the band is? It's Corn. Okay. Oh. Um, I was That's obsessed. Exciting. Tool and Corn were my bands and Nirvana. Those were the three. And Alice in Chains. Now I have four. <laughs> um, yeah, I was really big into them. And before I was actually friends with them through another friend of mine, uh, I got the chance to see them, and not only see them, but meet them, and they they made that happen, and yeah. it was it was phenomenal. Make a Wish is an amazing, amazing place, amazing yeah. foundation. Um, uh, Twelve thousand people, for no other reason but the goodness of their hearts, helped make this this thing happen. Um, as everyone said, it's restore your faith in humanity type stuff. Um, the, the it's just it's unbelievable what what they did for, for this this kid and it's a five year old kid with leukemia and. You know, well, it's not what he did for us. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it was a, it was one of those few times where the internet was full on wonderful. It was like the thing that it showed the power of what it can do in in on the good in a good way, not in the horrible way it usually. It is. was a universal like, kumbaya. It was. Yeah, it's like what every day should be, but with like, you know, every now and again there should be something extraordinary, and then everyone else should be joyful about cat photos. <laughs> Did you see this this cat photo selfie thing that's going around today? No, Stephanie? I'm obsessed with like cats wearing tights, though. Of course you are. Okay, let's move Those on. Those photos were so disturbing. <laughs> um, let's move on to uh, what's on the shelves uh, right now. Um, this is not a cat suit. Meow. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, so uh, from Archie Comics, Afterlife with Archie, number Ooh-hoo. two is out okay. today. Yeah, I wish I had number one. Um, <laughs> from Avatar Press, we have Night of the Living maybe. Dead, Aftermath, number 12, and Stitch, number 17. Um, from Boom Studios, Adventure Time, number 22, Bravest Warriors, number 14, um, Clive Barker's Hellraiser, The Dark Watch, number 10, Imagine Agents, number 2, Ooh. Regular Show, number 6. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we have BPRD, Hell on Earth, number 113. We've got Brain Boy, and number 3, Buzzkill, and number 3 of 4, Conan the Barbarian, number 22, Dark Horse Dark Horse Presents number 30. Uh, the Fifth Beetle, the Brian Epstein story, the hardcover, um, comes out. Um, you can check out an interview of that on the site we did with the creator of that. Uh, nice. we got got uh, Kiss Me Satan number three. Um, we've got... Uh, where we got... Oh, Star Wars, Dawn of the Jedi Force War, number one of five. <laughs> You're making that up. Nope. <laughs> um, Star Wars Legacy 2, number one. It's the, oh, it's $1 edition. It's a series that's coming out, but this is a dollar edition. Um, from DC Comics, we have 100 Bullets, Brother Lono, number six, 
Animal Man, number 25. Mm-hmm. Batman 66, number 5. Batman and Two-Face, number 25. Yes. Batman Beyond Universe, number 4. Uh, we've got Batwoman, number 25. Birds of Prey, number 25. Um, we've got Fables, number 135. Uh, Forever Evil Rogues Rebellion, number 2 of 6. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 25. Harley Quinn, number 0. Yeah. He-Man, The Masters Universe, number 8. Um, we've got Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 25. Uh, Scooby-Doo Team-Up, number one. Supergirl, number 25. Trinity of Sin Pandora, number five. Uh, Wake, number five of ten. Wonder Woman, number 25. Uh, From Dynamite Entertainment, we've got uh, Battlestar Galactica Starbuck, number one of four. Uh, We've got uh, Damsels, number eight. Deja Thoris and the Green Men of Mars, number eight. Grimm, number seven. Jennifer Blood, number 33. Um, we got Pathfinder Special number one, Red Sonia number five, Shadow number nineteen. Um, we've got Shadow Year One number four, Warlords of Mars number twenty nine. Uh, from IDW, we have Ben Ten number one. We've got Doctor Who Prisoners of Time number twelve of twelve, Jinrise number eight. Uh, we've got My Little Pony Friendship is Magic number thirteen. Um, we've got Samurai Jack number two. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, New Animated Adventures, number five. We've got Transformers. More than meets the eye. That is correct. Number oh, 23. I'm back on target. <laughs> Image Comics. We've got Clone, number 12. We've got Savage Dragon, number 192. Sex Criminals, number three. Sheltered, yes. number five. Todd, the ugliest kid on earth, number seven. Voice mm. in the Dark, number one. And Zero, number three. Ooh. From Marvel Comics, we have A plus X, number 14. We've got Avengers number 23, Avengers AI number 6, Cable and X-Force number 16, Cataclysm the Ultimates number 1 of 3, we've got Daredevil number 33, yeah. Dexter number 5 of 5, Fantastic Four number 14. Yeah. Um, oh, we didn't, I, I'm going to ask you this question, Bob, but before we move on from this, what do you think about James Robinson and Leonard Kirk being the team? Uh, he says all the right things. Did you read the long interview? I didn't read it, no. He's talking about how he wants to reference and honor all those who came before. Mm-hmm. He says wonderful things about coming, bringing the team back to New York, uh, rekindling the Johnny Ben thing, uh, bringing back Alicia Masters, loves writing Smart Read, wants a Sue that's like John Burns, where she's the most versatile and most powerful member of this team. He's Kicking all the boxes mm-hmm. for a guy who, who's read this book for all this long. Right. I can't wait to see what it and, looks like. And Leonard Kirk is a great artist. So, yeah. So that's that's a good pick for that. Um, Indestructible Hulk, number 15. Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe, number 2. Secret Avengers, uh, number 11. Um, we've got Superior Spider-Man Team-Up, uh, number 6. And Superior Spider-Man Annual, number one. Uh, Thunderbolts, number 18. Uncanny X-Men, number 14. Wolverine Max, number 13. X-Men, number seven. X-Men Legacy, number 20. And Young Avengers, number 12. Um, From Oni Press, we have Mysterious Strangers, number six. Wasteland, uh, number 50. Um, Let's see here. From Valiant, we have Bloodshot and the Hardcore, number 16. Eternal Warrior, number 3. And Exo Man of War, number 19. And from Zenoscope, we have Grim Fairy Tales Presents Wonderland, number 17. That's a lot of books. Yeah. As always, a lot of books. Mm. Lots and lots of books. If you guys want to get in touch with us, it's at Talking Comics on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics. And a podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Uh, of course, guys, go to TalkingComicBooks.com, comment on our stories, uh, read the reviews by all our great contributors, uh, check out the video features. Um, 
and uh, we we're doing a site relaunch probably within the next week, so you guys can see the new design, um, a uh, a new scoring system for not not comic reviews, but video game and possibly TV and movie reviews. So um, some cool stuff <clears throat> on the way coming from that. Um, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve, mine is at dead underscore anchorus. <clears throat> Stephanie, I'm at Hello Cookie. And Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right, guys. I want to thank everybody uh, for their support. And I put out a call for questions probably 10 minutes before we started recording this podcast. And I got 15 questions. So you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, And that's going to do it uh, for this week's Talk Comics Podcast. Bob wants uh, to Well, don't we want to... Oh, promote. Promote. Yes, Bobby. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, we uh, did an interview actually earlier before we recorded this podcast with uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, uh, the forces behind Harley Quinn number zero, which came out today and forces behind many, many other uh, wonderful mm. books. Uh, they did the interview together. Uh, they are hilarious and delightful people. And the interview will be out on Friday. So look for that because it's, it's, it's really good. Um, and if it doesn't get you excited about Harley Quinn, I don't know what, what's going to. Um, and there's some, Interesting stories that Jimmy yes. and Amanda tell. <laughs> so stay tuned uh, for that uh, on Friday. But uh, thank you, Bob, for reminding me of that. No problem. Thank you so much. All right. So that is it for the Talking Comics <laughs> podcast for this week. For Steve. Later. Bob. Night, night. And Stephanie. Arr! I have been Bobby. <laughs> Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>